This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with not Mark Weber. I feel like I don't know. I think it's what every week I've said this now. I'm not with somebody, either Brandon, either Mark. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with just, Sean Anderson. I just live here. I'm a drifter. Dub them ease. <laughs> I got I to gotta do that for my boy, Mark. Or like you said the one time, uh, it was cringeworthy, but when you said me, I'm on Sean. One person said it that. was cringeworthy. I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a catchphrase. I'm sorry. But welcome into the Onside Kick here on Most Valuable Podcast. Starting off the show a little bit different today. Got a patron segment, a first time patron segment, patron Dallas going to be joining us to start before we get into his topic which is going to be a doozy going to let you wait a little bit about what that'll be let me just get through the housekeeping real quick here first off if you like what we're doing here on mvp want to help support us make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast you can also go to itunes apple podcast give the show a five-star rating and type out what you think of it give it a good review so why people should listen to the show mostvalpodcast.com is where you can catch MVP each and every day. And either there or in the store link down below, you can get yourself an MVP t-shirt. So housekeeping is done. Sean and I on the show today, we're also going to do our wide receiver rankings later. But what we're going to start off with is first, before we get into it, Dallas, first time on the show. How you doing today, Dallas? I am doing pretty well. Well, today what we are talking about is Baker Mayfield and what we kind of proposed here what Dallas proposed is that the Cleveland Browns made the most awful decision by drafting Baker Mayfield number one overall Dallas I'm gonna let you start why did the Browns make the most awful or saving the right way to say it the, bad the decision. worst decision in drafting Baker Mayfield at number one well mainly because he comes from not a pro style offense and I don't think you should draft someone like that number one overall, especially when he doesn't have the athleticism or the maturity to sit for a year and overcome that. Like quarterbacks from Oklahoma and systems like that, like at worst, they're like Johnny Mandel, Landry Jones, or Kevin Cobb. But at best, in a year or two, they end up like Jared Goff or Sam Bradford. But I don't think he has the capability or maturity to wait and develop them. No, I totally agree with you, Dallas, and that's one thing. Not only do I love our patrons because they support us, they also <laughs> typically have the same opinion as me, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Um, and I agree with you uh, about the pro-style office, but one thing that you hit on, and it really sticks out to me, is at least the maturity. And not even, you know, he comes from the pro-style offense, I think, or a non-pro-style offense. I think that might be a little less in my worries just because, again, the NFL is going to more of a shotgun format mm-hmm. anyways. I mean, you look at the, the, the Patriots, I think 71% of their snaps came out of the shotgun. It's more about that maturity. You can't take a guy like this at, at number one overall. I said it after the draft, and I still believe it. Maybe he'll be able to change it. Maybe the chip on his shoulder will actually you know, be a, a blessing instead of a curse. But Dallas, to me, this just writes a bust on him just because of his, his, his past lack of maturity, whether it's the Oklahoma game or it's the, the arrest. I mean, that's, that's, those are the two biggest, at least, uh, at the yeah, Kansas definitely. game. Those are the two biggest things that stick out to me. Now, for me... I am on the complete other side of the table, not just literally from you, Sean, but on this argument, I am literally on the other side of the table from both of you guys because I will say this on the primetime podcast, I was in the middle of the college season. I was very adamant 
and very against the Baker Mayfield, the crotch grab, the mm-hmm. um, DUI where he got tackled by the cop. And I was all over the fact of, like, don't draft this guy or, like, all that off-field mm-hmm. antics. But the more I got through it, and it's like after that Kansas game, never saw it again. Um, with most kids, you come out and it's like, oh, you know what? They give, like, the bull, the BS, like, oh, I'm sorry for my actions. But, like, when you see Baker talk, I think he's impossible to, like, give you the BS response. Like, what you see is what you get from Baker. And the thing that I ended up loving most about him through the draft process is he is a prospect or was a prospect. Now he's an NFL Mm -hmm. quarterback. Chip on your shoulder guy where I've always described him as a lunch pail guy where it's like he's going to come in. He's going to do his work. He's going to work as hard as he possibly can. And for me, I almost feel like this was the best choice for Cleveland, not because he's the most pro-ready, like Dallas said, he didn't come from a pro-style offense, but the one thing he does have that you can't coach is that mentality, and especially he fits in with the city of Cleveland in that mentality. Well, and one thing, Dallas, I want to ask you is when you were, because obviously there was a clear like top five quarterbacks uh, yeah. in, in this draft. Where did you have Baker ranked in that top five? Or did you even have him? You know, did you have him outside um, your top I five? Had him, I had him uh, above Josh Allen, definitely, but below Sam Donald, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. Okay. Because I was like, if you're going to, if you're going to have a quarterback who needs to sit and learn for a year, why not get the one who comes from a post-style offense that is athletically gifted, and doesn't cause any drama off the field. I'd go with Lamar Jackson if you're going to have someone sit. I do like that. And I mean, the sense of, like you said, have a guy sit. Because, like you mentioned in your opening comment, Dallas, was they've got Tyrod Taylor. And the whole thing that, I don't know, I can't remember if you said this early on, but I know you said this in our um, patron kind of talk back and forth on patreon.com. Tyrod is is, better than Baker now. Yes, exactly. Or will ever be. Like, Baker at his ceiling is what Tyrod is right now. And part of the reason why I feel like the Baker decision isn't the worst is because, yeah, Lamar Jackson fits that mold also of, hey, I can have him come in, I can sit. thing with that is he could be more similar of a quarterback to Tyrod, but like we've seen with Joe Flacco, what we've seen with Ben Roethlisberger so far, these vets don't want to teach the rooks because basically then I'm teaching you to take my job. The two quarterbacks that I think Cleveland couldn't take were Rosen and Darnold, because if they took either of those two guys, Tyrod will be unseated definitely by like week four. Well, that, I think, and Dallas, you can jump in here after I finish, is is I think Baker still has, I mean, if you're drafting a guy number one overall, mm-hmm. and this is a guy that was a four-year starter. You're thinking he's got to start this year. He's going to start at some point. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to you know take over Tyrod's spot, whether he's he's better than him or not. I still feel like that pressure of you know drafting a guy number one overall, you have to see what you got in him, and you can't wait, especially in Cleveland. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing is it, it, with me, the lack of maturity and the town that he's in, and the, the 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 at least the woes they've had as a franchise. That was the worst quarterback you could have taken because you need someone that's going to be a strong leader. I think Sam Darnold at least uh, exemplified that the most out of this whole draft class. So for me, uh, uh, Dallas, it, it's something that I feel at least maybe even after spring training, after we see hard knocks, Baker Mayfield might be the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Do you agree with that? Well, I definitely think that Cleveland, regardless of GM or whatever, has a history of going quarterbacks in too early. Like Johnny Manziel, when Brian Boyer or whoever it was killing it, or, you know, uh, Sean Kaiser last year. They really really had a tendency to throw 
quarterback in the fire when they really have no business starting. And I think that's what they're going to do regardless of who they drafted. So I'm kind of glad they was drafted to the ground because that way we're not wasting the four good quarterbacks or the three good quarterbacks in the draft <laughs> that can use them. I love how you say that. Like, it's one of those where, oh, you know, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, I don't want their career wasted. So I'm happy that he didn't go to Cleveland. But part of me, yeah, I'm, I'm going to circle back to one of the things I said before, the whole mentality of Baker Mayfield. And the thing that I feel like makes him fit well in Cleveland is that chip-on-your-shoulder guy where most of the guys think back to quarterbacks that the Browns have had. None of them have had these guys that kind of fit that mentality. And, I mean, Baker Mayfield, is he going to be a bust? Is he not? I don't know. We're going to have to see. But to me, I feel like at number one, they picked the one quarterback that fits their city the most. What do you think about that part of it, Dallas? Well, I think that if you just look at it in a grander scheme, like away from the ground, how many NFL quarterbacks are there that have a video of them getting tackled by police officers? It just doesn't happen because they aren't they aren't willing to put into the work. They just, I don't think that he has a temperament in the NFL. And I think that he, I think that makes going to Cleveland even worse for him because in a dysfunctional organization, I think it's going to be brought out more. Well, what, so I really think that Baker would be worse. One thing that I, I was thinking though is is I think maybe Cleveland would have helped him a little bit just because. Again, being away from a city like New York, that might have been detrimental because he'll be away from that party life. Mm-hmm. And again, you, you know, Cleveland still has it's, it's not dead. It's not dead of a town, but st- it still has some life to it. But it's nothing like a New York. So I think it was at least a little bit better because there was even talk that New York was going to be taking him at three. But obviously, Darnold was available and, 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 and Baker wasn't. Um with that, Dallas, I think, again, uh, I think one thing that doesn't really help him, though, and you mentioned it, is the dysfunction in that franchise. And, yes, they've tried to revamp this team, but in you know, if, if Tyrods start lo- losing games, they're going to be either have to force Baker in there or Baker's going to at least show himself to be the starting quarterback. And, again, I don't know if he's going to be able to be ready year mm-hmm. one to step in and be a great quarterback because, again, he has no fear. I think that's different from being a leader. I think he was very uh, fearless out on the field. Um, at Oklahoma, I don't know if that led to at least a strong leader. And I think especially with this team with, you know, Jarvis Landry's extension, Josh Gordon's past history, um, also just the change of uh, at least personnel that they've had from the front office and Hugh Jackson being on yeah, Hugh Jackson being on the, the hot seat as well. I think that's something that could at least, again, put too much pressure on this. And that's where we'll see Baker crumble. Well, and that's the one thing that just to jump in really quick that I know Mark is adamant about is that Hugh Jackson's an awful head coach. And Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, that's what I think. Like, I feel like this season is really important to the Browns. And the reason why I say that is if Hugh Jackson gets fired, then as a, let's say they go terribly, they only win one game or don't even win a game this year, and Hugh gets fired, do you then have to hire a coach that fits in with Johnny Manziel or not jo- Johnny Manziel, Baker, Baker Mayfield, because you fit in like that's who you drafted because any coach that comes in, if they don't want Baker Mayfield, why would you hire them? Also to answer Dallas's question, the only quarterbacks that I can think of that are starting quarterbacks that had some sort of issues coming out of college that are starting right now, you had Cam Newton had the whole stealing laptops thing when I believe he was at Florida before he went to Auburn. 
And then you had Jameis Winston, who obviously had the crab leg situation, plus had the sexual assault allegation against him as well. But those are the only two that I can think of that had any like negative news about them heading into the NFL draft. But what I want to ask you, Dallas, is more on that first point is, if Hugh loses his job this year, could that be like, do you think they have to bring in a coach then that wants to work with Baker? Well, obviously, but I do think that it would be a bad decision to just fire Hugh too quickly, even though I think he's off the coach. Mm-hmm. Just for the sake of stability for the franchise, it's not something they've ever really had. It's almost like how Jeff Fisher, like, even though he wasn't going to post crazy stability for the Rams, just let a good coach, you know, Sean McVay come in and actually do something. So I just think stability right now is the best thing for them. Like, if they were smart in the draft, they would have gone, like, Bradley Chubb number one and Quentin Nelson like create a good situation for the next See, and I mean, the thing that I look at is, first off, that's one thing that we did throw out before the draft is, mm-hmm. do you just not do quarterback and try to get a Mason Rudolph later on? Well, and one thing you brought up was mm-hmm. the fact that, because you were doing the mock draft for the, yeah, the, the, the Browns, the live one was uh, take, you know, one and four, mm-hmm. uh, Saquon and then Chubb, and then trade up and get a guy like Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. that, that Dallas liked. The one thing, though, you mentioned Dallas was was that you can't fire Hugh Jackson too quickly. But how long is this guy's leash? I mean, one in thirty one in Cleveland and just went zero sixteen. Yeah, I mean, this he has no track record to base himself off of. He's been horrible mm-hmm. so far as a head coach. He was decent in his first year at Oakland, but even got fired after that. I don't know how long you can give a guy like Hugh Jackson because he doesn't have the at least the the, I, the output the out first, there. This is the restart for like Hugh Jackson, I believe, because. When he got to Cleveland, obviously had nothing. Last year's draft class, we were all touting. I remember Mark and I talking about it after the 2017 draft. Oh, Browns, actually winners of the draft. Really liking what they did in the first round. But, you know, Bradley Chubb, uh, Joku, and then Jabril Peppers, obviously they're going to be rookies and kind of just getting used to the league. Mm -hmm. This is like everything else besides Baker, although I'm not on the side that he's an awful pick. Every almost every other pick that the Browns made, bringing in Denzel Ward, getting a guy like Nick Chubb, a guy like Gerald Avery on the linebacking side, I really liked out of Memphis. They got Chad Thompson later on from Miami. They even got Austin Col- uh, Colbert, a guy from uh, I can't remember. It's a lesser school, but offensive guard mm-hmm. is going to play right guard. It seemed like almost every single spot they hit. They just went for a real stab with but Baker that's, at the top. That's, that's the GM. And, and, and Dallas, going to you, I mean, the, the thing is, is that, I mean, Hugh Jackson, again, if he's getting a fresh start, right now mm-hmm. he's already 1-31. If they don't win this year, again, if they win only four games, it's going to be horrible. I'm yep. if Five wins in, in the past three years. How long is his leash? Because, again, even though you might be wanting to at least raise Baker up with, the, with a coach that you believe in, I mean, he's not getting results on the field. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying, like, don't overthink or don't 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 really need to rest like they And I mean the thing that I was just gonna say about that is I know that's more the GM, but it's also you gotta look at it. If you're a coach, you got nothing. All right, I am giving you talent. Mm-hmm. What can you do with it? Let's say Baker doesn't start and he's got Tyrod and he only wins one game. I gave you Tyrod Taylor that brought helped the Bills go to the playoffs. I'm bringing you in Demirius Randall via trade, mm-hmm. and you couldn't do anything? This is why, to me, this year is more of not a safe year, but more of a restart of like, all right, 
I gave you talent. I have given you talent to work with. What can you do now? What can you do now with this talent? And it might not be this year, but definitely next year. Yeah, just in short, like, Tyron Taylor has proven himself to be able to take a below-average squad to the playoffs, and Baker Mayfield, I think, will never be able to reach that. Thank you, guys. No problem. What we'll do is just final thoughts. Dallas gave his. Sean, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, thanks for joining us, Dallas. And and one thing too that you mentioned is that Tyra took uh, a you know rough Buffalo team mm-hmm. to the playoffs last year, and obviously he was you know questioned. They brought in Peterman for that horrible start against the Chargers. We saw that you know historic mistake throwing five interceptions. Um, and he's proven that he can be a, a serviceable quarterback. But if you're taking a guy number one in Baker Mayfield, you have to believe that he's the guy that's going to be not only here for this year but also for your future. So I think again, you're pushing that clock forward. You're pushing that envelope on. He needs to be the guy coming up this year. I understand Tyrod has the track record. Tyrod has the wins. You traded for Tyrod, but you drafted this kid number one overall. He should be able to at least produce for you in year one in mm-hmm. some way. So I think you get, the spotlight really isn't on, you know, how far can Tyrod Taylor get us? It's really when is Baker Mayfield going to start? Yeah, and I mean, although I'm on the other side, I don't think that this was the worst move that the Browns could have made at number one. They could have made a lot worse of a Brownsy move and let's say gone with like, a Quentin Nelson number one because I wouldn't have gone with a guard at number one if I was the Browns. But how I think it's going to play out is I think Tyrod wins the job. I think at some point in the year, maybe like five to seven weeks, maybe even four, he gets replaced by Baker and it's the Baker show all the way out. The more important question that we'll have to hit later in the year will be, Eh, what's going to happen with Hugh Jackson, especially if this team starts 0-6, starts mm-hmm. 0-7, maybe doesn't even get a win this season. But yet again, want to thank Dallas for joining us, proposing this topic. If you want to become a patron yourself, check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast, the $10 tier. You can jump on a podcast just like Dallas did. Also, let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Was it an awful decision for the Browns to select Baker Mayfield? What do you think? of the Browns draft. I know we're a little past draft time, but let us know what you think. But Sean, let's move on into the meat and potatoes of the podcast. And Mm -hmm. we've done quarterback rankings. Well, Mark and I have done quarterback rankings. We've done running back rankings for fantasy football. This week, we continue those rankings with you joining us with the rankings. Both myself, you, and Mark Weber, all ranked wide receivers, the top 30 Regardless of teams, we're going to go three. It's a segment of 10 per. We're going to start at 30, go all the way to one. First off, let's meet the guys who will be in 21 through 30. Before we do that, we have three honorable mentions. Devin Funches, Cortland Sutton, Marvin Jones. They received votes from one of the three, however, did not get in to the top 30. And let's start. Number 30, the newest addition to the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons, Calvin Ridley at number 30. Number 29, we got Michael Crabtree, the ex-Oakland Raider, now Baltimore Raven. Then at number 28, coming back from injury, I believe, Mm -hmm. Will Fuller of the Houston Texans. Then Robert Woods sitting at 27. 26, we got Sammy Watkins, the newest addition to the Kansas City Chiefs. 25, Josh Gordon of the Cleveland Browns. Number 20, or that was 25. Number 24 is T.Y. Hilton, the main guy in Indianapolis, hoping to get his main guy back in Andrew Luck. 
Number 23, Julian Edelman, another guy coming off of injury for the New England Patriots. Number 22, Juju Smith-Schuster of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then your boy, the Golden Domer, mm-hmm. playing with the Detroit Lions, Golden Tate at 21. And before we get into the main guys that we want to discuss, I wanted to throw at you. One of them got into the top 30. That was Calvin Ridley. Another one received votes mm-hmm. in Cortland Sutton. What are you thinking of some of the rookie receivers, maybe ones that haven't gotten this, gotten any mentions from us, and then the two that did in fantasy this year? Well, at least the two that I think are, are going to be at least interesting to see is going to be DJ Chark, uh, now mm-hmm. a Jacksonville Jaguar. I mean, we talked about J- Jacksonville looking for wide receiver in round one. They go and get Chark in round two, and this is a guy that's big, 6'4", has pretty decent speed to himself, and they don't have a lot of weapons on the outside to throw to. Allen Robinson, gone. Allen Hearns, gone. Mm-hmm. They're going to need somebody to catch balls out there, and if Chark can step up and, and, and Blake Bortles can actually throw him the ball, he's going to be getting at least targets. He's going to hopefully be grabbing balls and getting receptions. It's going to lead to yards. It's going to lead to uh, you know t- at least a couple touchdowns. So uh, Chark's going to be an interesting one to see if Bortles is able to throw the ball down the field effectively. If not, obviously that offense is going to be stagnant, but you're going to have a great running game to pair with Bortles to at least help him. And we've seen Bortles throw over 4,000 yards before. We've seen him you know, throw over 30 touchdowns before. So Bortles has shown to be a capable passer, having Leonard Fournette and then a, ho- a healthy uh, DJ Chark could be something that at least propels him into the top 30. Um, and the other guy I want to mention is uh, DJ Moore. Uh, for the, mm-hmm. from the Carolina Panthers now. I mean, you look at the Panthers wide receiver. Does he core. become the main guy in Carolina? Like, besides Christian McCaffrey, is mm-hmm. he the main wide receiver for, well, besides well, Greg Olson or McCaffrey, yeah. is he the main wide receiver? I would, I mean, it, it's going to be him and Funches. I would say, I does probably, he overtake Funches, I probably, though? I probably would say he does just because, I mean, Devin Funches to me hasn't really proven that much. He's been injured a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, DJ Moore right now, healthy. Fresh body to throw at, six feet tall. I mean, the guy the guy can run, too. I mean, he's, he's one of the quicker guys, I think, at the Combine, um, at least for wide receivers. Um, you know, I, I, we've seen that they weren't really afraid to work in McCaffrey before, so they're not really worried about working in rookies. I think Moore has more potential than Funches does, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if he does becomes, become the number one wide receiver um, coming out. And also, uh, the Cat Crave, uh, I think it's the fan-sided type for mm-hmm. uh, the Panthers, said, DJ Moore primed to be a major part of the offense. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if he does become the number one uh, wide receiver at some point for the Panthers. Yeah, and I mean, rookies on their own, we could have our own rankings for rookies. I mean, DJ Moore might fit the tail end. I feel like there's going to be three rookies that make an impact right away that you should draft later on. Calvin Ridley, who is in our top 30. Cortland Sutton, who I had right at 30 in my personal top 30, and then DJ Moore. However, another one that I looked at, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I would draft this guy, mm-hmm. but he would definitely, like, I feel like he's going to be a waiver pickup for a lot of people later this year, is going to be Miller with the Bears, the guy out of Yeah, Memphis. Anthony Miller. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I he's, th- he's going to be an interesting piece. I don't know if he's ever going to be, he's, I think he's going to be a, uh, an add in most mm-hmm. leagues, because, I mean, if you're playing, you know, if you're a 12-team league, you're going to have to he's at least take a, a shot. He's going to have a couple, like, 15, 16 games out of nowhere, and people are going to want to pick him up. I think so, too. I mean, if he if he has a game where, you know, again, he's he, he's a guy that can, you know, be a guy that's going to be a deep threat for mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky, but he's also going to be a guy that can, you know, catch, like, you know, nine balls a game. So he's going to be interesting, especially if, you know, Kevin White's injured, if uh, Allen Robinson isn't coming back healthy. 
those are going to be interesting plays on if Anthony Miller is going to be able to make an impact. We saw that you know he's an electric playmaker, and mm-hmm. you know maybe he's going to be found immediately by Mitch just because he is young, he's fast. People aren't going to know how to cover him right away. Um, you know, if Anthony Miller is able to show uh, at least a multitude of moves coming out of his breaks and out of his sets, he's going to be a guy that I think Mitch could totally target in because. Mitch showed that he could throw the long ball last year, but if Anthony Miller's running, you know, over the middle, he could be a guy that, you know, I don't know if he's going to work primarily out of the slot um, in this Bears offense, but if he does, he could be a safety blanket for Mitch. He could, if, you're, if he's in a PPR league, he's catching, you know, nine to seven balls a game. You're going to get at least, you know, what's seven times a half, or if you're playing even, mm-hmm. you know, a, a point of PPR, you're getting seven points, nine points just on catches alone. Um, I'm not too high on Cortland Sutton at all, though. I think having him in the top 30 is ridiculous. Emmanuel Sanders is a bigger target mm-hmm. than Cortland Sutton is. I get it. He's a rookie. He's flashy. But with Case Keenum, I don't know how that offense is going to work. They don't have a rushing attack. I don't think that rookie is going to make his name big in that Broncos offense. You still have Emmanuel Sanders, and you still have a guy in Demarius Thomas who is you know, in our next segment. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's in the top 20. Um, I, I think those are going to be the main targets well, for Case Keenum. And I mean, how I feel like Denver's going to work this year. Demarius Thomas is going to be the main target. Like we saw last year, like Case Keenum's going to work with the number one, number two guy. That's what he did with Phelan the Thielen and Stefan Diggs. I have a feeling, though, that Cortland Sutton throughout the year, maybe this is one that's kind of a long play and shouldn't be at 30, but I wanted to throw him in at 30. Mm -hmm. He's going to be one that I feel like, same thing you were talking about on Anthony Miller, being in the slot. He's going to be able to work that well with having Sanders and Thomas because people are going to be doubling them, focusing on them. Eventually, he's going to be a guy that Bronco fans go. You can't double both guys. Well, you can't double (laughs) both, but you'll double one of them, open him up in the middle, and Case Keenum's not a guy that's going to be like, I'm going to Thomas every time because he's my favorite. I want to move on to three guys Mm -hmm. that I know you know how to work the spreadsheet. Mark last week was like, oh, I wasn't highlighting guys when I thought he was trying to send me subliminal messages. You actually have three guys highlighted. I do. And they all have one thing in common. And I think I know what they all have in common. They all missed last year or well, didn't play full seasons last year. It was that, but it's also you know, three <laughs> of my favorite players just okay. on, on this list. It's Julian Edelman. I'm a Pack, I'm a, I was about to say Packer fan. I'm a Patriot fan. <laughs> and it gets pretty clear. Tom Brady's getting one of his favorite weapons mm-hmm. back in Julian Edelman. He's going to be healthy. And this is one thing where there's now nine touchdowns unaccounted. Brandon Cook's gone. Mm-hmm. He had seven touchdowns. Danny Amendola, two touchdowns in the regular season, gone. You're going to need to make up that production. How about the guy that had 151 receptions, or 151 targets in 2013, 134 targets in 2014, and 159 targets in 2016? Julian Edelman will get balls thrown at him. He's gonna get yards if he's in. A, if you're in a PPR league, he's gonna be higher than he is right now. We're not doing this based on PPR, mm-hmm. just purely yardage and touchdowns. He's a guy that can put up a thousand yards uh, receiving, and he's a guy that hasn't put up over seven touchdowns in his career in a season. But he did put up seven touchdowns in 2015. But he was injured. Only played nine games. He's a guy that you got to watch out for. I know most people sleep on him because he isn't crazy athletic. He's a small guy. But it's Tom Brady. He's proven mm-hmm. that he loves him. And if Gronk's injured, this is his safety blanket. He's yeah. going to throw 11 balls a game at Julian Edelman. And Julian Edelman isn't a drop machine. Julian Edelman is, a, I think, a fantastic pickup no matter where you draft him. If you're able mm-hmm. to get him as a late steal— Great. If you're able well, to even jump up on him early, I think it's a nice move because Julian Edelman is a guy that's going to catch balls, he's going to be targeted, and he's going to be a massive part of this Patriot offense. And both you and I were a little bit higher on Julian Edelman in the rankings. I had him right below you. You had him at mm-hmm. 20, I had him at 21. My only two my only two concerns for Julian Edelman is, number one, 
if Gronk's healthy, Gronk's going to be the main target. And number two, I look at, like, with Tom Brady, I almost feel like it's almost Aaron. Like, I get the Mm -hmm. Julian Edelman, like, you know what? Game's on the line. I'm going to go to Julian Edelman. He's going to help me out. But I feel like over a season, I feel like Tom Brady's the guy where, you know what? I'm not necessarily going to target in on one Mm -hmm. guy. Whoever is open. And you're adding a Jordan Matthews to this team. Jordan Matthews is not going to do much. I'm just saying, you're adding a Cordero Patterson. You're adding guys who could eventually take some receptions away as the course of the season goes on. Ricky, this is not only a brand new toy, but this is this is like Mm -hmm. your trusted like this is this is your trusted car. I mean, this is even though it's like a beat down piece of shit, 2002 (laughs) Honda Civic. This is Mm -hmm. his favorite toy. I mean, it it might not be the the best car. He's got a Bugatti Veyron in, in the garage. Mm-hmm. This is the car he trusts. This is his Prius. It's going to get him around. He is going to use Julian Edelman no matter who you bring in. Cordell Patterson hasn't proven that he can be a wide receiver in the NFL. He oh, can be a weapon. True he that. can't prove that he's a wide receiver in the NFL. Jordan Matthews can't stay healthy. And I love Gronk. Gronk is the greatest tight end of all time. I know he might not have the accolades that Gates and Tony Gonzalez But he Gonzalez gets injured does, all the time. But he gets injured all the time. And, and, and it's one thing that red zone-wise... Gronk's going to be your guy. I mean, mm-hmm. Gronk has 76 touchdowns. That's the most connections that Tom Brady has with any wide receiver, any weapon of, at, at all. And they've only been playing for, what, seven years now? And Gronk hasn't been healthy mm-hmm. for that whole time. But who he's going to go to most, who's going to get the most targets, it's going to be Julian Edelman. Gronk has gotten, I think, around 131 at, at most targets in his career. Julian Edelman's going to get 150 targets this year if he's healthy. He's not going to get targets taken away from him. He's taking targets away from people. He is going to be the number one threat on that New England Patriot offense. He might not be the most deadliest wide receiver. He might not be the most explosive wide receiver, but he is the most consistent wide receiver. And when he is when he's healthy, he is extremely consistent. So I think Julian Edelman is going to be at least a, a top 20 wide receiver. That's where I had him ranked um, in my personal ranking. And I mean, just to kind of back you up a little bit, I know this was a team that did not have Brandon Cooks at the time because obviously mm-hmm. Edelman was injured all last year, so we can't take that into account. 2016, he did have 158 targets. Gronk was injured, though, only had 38 that year, but to me it was a big question They've of... They've coexisted before. They have coexisted before, but it's one of those things where I wonder if it's going to be... Yes, he's going to be the main guy for New England, but is that necessarily going to be a guy you want as your number one starting wide receiver? The, the biggest question for him is is health. Is he mm-hmm. going to be able to cut you know left and right as quick as he was able to? Is he going to be able to push off and, and at least separate from corners like mm-hmm. he was able to? I mean, an ACL injury is not anything to... To, to screw around with. So if he's going to be able, if, but but if, the thing is, if, if he's able to trust that knee, if he's able to still bring that same explosiveness, and he's a guy that works his ass off, this is a guy Tom Brady loves. Again, mm-hmm. they're best friends. They're, they, they have so similar personalities. This is a guy Tom Brady loves. This is a guy that, again, is the most consistent wide receiver on that Patriot that, that Patriot uh, mm-hmm. team. I mean, this is a guy that Tom Brady's going to throw balls at no matter what. I get that you're worried. I get that, again, you know, Tom Brady isn't going to focus in on one guy. But if he's going to focus in on one guy... It's going to be Julian it's Edelman. It's Julian Edelman. And we saw what Tom did last year without Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman is an upgrade, in my mind, to Brandon Cooks, at least in this Patriot offense. Mm-hmm. Yes, Brandon Cooks might be more explosive. Again, he's, he's one of the quickest wide receivers in the NFL. But Julian Edelman is the guy Tom Brady trusts the most. That's why I think he's got to be in the top 20 because Aaron Rodgers' guy, his number one target, he's in the top 10. 
Tom Brady is throwing the ball as much as Aaron Rodgers is. He might not be focusing in on Julian Edelman in the red zone, but he's going to be throwing balls at him consistently. He's going to get 1,000 yards. He's going to get near 100 receptions. Julian Edelman's a top 20 wide well, receiver. The one out of the three that you highlighted that I'm most excited for this season mm-hmm. is Will Fuller. Yeah. Because another I mean, Golden Domer. Well, it, not just that, but I mean, I Mark, and I, Mark and I talked about quarterbacks. And just to go back to that, to see where exactly we had Deshaun Watson fourth overall. Mm-hmm. I had him at three. He had him at five. And to me, the thing with Will Fuller is not only are both of those players coming back from season-ending injuries last year, mm-hmm. but the thing that I wonder most is are we going to see the same kind of chemistry, the same kind of connection that we saw earlier last year with Watson and Fuller where it was like, hey, Deshaun Hop- or, yeah, Hopkins is going to get Hopkins. his. DeAndre Hopkins. I was like, Deshaun Hopkins. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, right. that's why. Hopkins is going to get his. Yeah. But Will Fuller was the favorite targeted scene well, of Deshaun Watson. The, the big thing was just the touchdowns. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, he was hitting them on deep ball left and right. I mean, he was averaging per reception. But he was 20, also hitting them on the little dinkers but, that just go uh, uh, 20 yards. In the games from Game 4 to Game 7 when Will Fuller was on the field and mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson was as well— 21 targets, 13 receptions, 279 yards. He averaged 21 yards a reception and yep. seven touchdowns. The seven touchdowns is the big thing right there. Mm-hmm. We just talked about Julian Edmonds. His most in a season was seven. Will Fuller had seven in a four-game span. And again, and then he, got he was coming. He had, no, Will Fuller was healthy until week nine. So mm-hmm. he was still a little bit healthy after Watson did. But Watson got injured. Yeah. That was the thing. Is, is Will Fuller was one of Deshaun Watson's favorite targets, at least going deep. This is a deep ball threat. Will Fuller's massively quick. He's got great hands. Mm-hmm. He's got great separation. Um, as long as Will Fuller's healthy, he's going to be a guy that's going to rack up touchdowns. He was a great waiver wire pickup last year, and, and the, the fact that Deshaun Watson got injured plummeted his stock, but we saw when they were on the field together, even though it was a small sample size for the four, for, for those four games, they were absolutely electric. Well, and the great thing about this top 30 is, let's say you're even in an eight-person league, we're basically saying that if you're drafting at least two wide receivers at the least to be your starting two, he should be one of the guys that you're drafting to maybe be in that top start. Well, not top starting here, but maybe that well, third to flex. flex. Yeah, he'd be a th- yeah. He'd be flex. So, like, you already have two, three wide receivers. You need that third and that fourth guy. But if you're looking for a guy that's going to rack up touchdowns, we saw mm-hmm. what Deshaun Watson did in that first and that, that those you know first seven weeks he did play. Yep. Guy was throwing touchdowns left and right. Will Fuller is a guy that you definitely want to look out for. If you feel like he's going to be off the board in the next round, just take him because he's he's a guy mm-hmm. when he's healthy and Deshaun Watson's healthy. That connection has proven to be magical before. So I, I think that's something a guy if he's if he's out there and you're just you know getting the shakes about you know whether, whether to pick him or not, mm-hmm. go out and take him. Let me bring up one that I'm worried about, okay. and I had this player ranked the lowest between all three of us. Mark had him the highest. He had him in his top twenty. I had him at 25. I mean, you had him at 24, so basically yeah. we're just thinking the same here. But I am worried about T.Y. Hilton. Actually, he's in my top 30, but me personally, I'm not drafting him. I'm not going anywhere near T.Y. Hilton. I know there's some people out there that might say, Ricky, you're crazy. T.Y. Hilton is the main wide receiver for Indianapolis. I just feel that this year, if there is the injury questions with Andrew Luck and he doesn't get Andrew Luck back, I'm not touching him. I am not touching Mm -hmm. T.Y. Hilton. Are you on the same page as me, or 
are you saying, hey, you know what, even if Andrew Luck isn't there, T.Y. Hilton can still help you in fantasy? He can still help you, but he's not the same T.Y. Hilton. I mean, let's let's look at this from a reasonable <laughs> aspect. When Andrew Luck was healthy, and again, he, he was healthy you know, from 2013 to 2016. 500 days since yeah. he's been injured. 2013 to 2016, that's when Andrew Luck was playing. I know he didn't <laughs> play all 16 games in each of those seasons, but we're just going to take that as a, as a wide uh, margin because that's the majority of, uh, of where T.Y. Hilton's uh, balls were being thrown from. <laughs> T.Y. Hilton was a top 10 wide receiver when Andrew Luck was throwing to him. Over those years from 2013 to 2016, he had 559 receptions, 5,000 yards, 23 touchdowns. He was averaging 15.4 yards a reception. He consistently was a 1,000-yard receiver. He was consistently getting from 5 to 7 touchdowns a year. He's a guy that was getting over 100 targets, over 130 targets in that span from 2013 to 2016. Mm -hmm. If Andrew Luck is healthy, he's going to hit T.Y. Hilton, and he's going to hit him often. And that was one thing that was kind of lacking was, even though Jacoby Brissett is a good back, Backup, he might have some starter potential. Andrew Luck was able to hit T.Y. Hilton on those deep balls. And we saw T.Y. Hilton be a massive deep ball threat. We've seen him be you know really great on the outside as well. But there was those constant plays where, you know, the Colts need a touchdown. T.Y. Hilton's running straight down the middle of the field. He's wide open. Andrew Luck places it beautifully in the basket. And it's a touchdown for the Colts. I see if that magic's still there, if Andrew Luck is healthy mm-hmm. and he's close to the old Andrew Luck we know, this is going to be a great pickup. I'm just worried about I'm just, Andrew Luck. I'm not worried about T.Y. Hilton. And that's T.Y. Exactly Hilton's going to be at least, you know, he's going to, I mean, even last year, he was near 1,000 yards. He was mm-hmm. 966 yards, played all uh, 16 games, only 109 uh, targets, second lowest in his career, still had four touchdowns, but it's a massive difference when you well, do have a healthy Andrew Luck. And I mean, that's exactly where I'm at, where if he doesn't have Andrew Luck out there, I'm not drafting him. I'm not going near him because it's like, yeah, you know what, you're T.Y. Hilton, but. Part of it is that kind of it's almost like Will Fuller if Deshaun Watson was injured, like we saw last year, where yeah. it's like I don't even want Will Fuller on my team if Deshaun Watson's injured because of that chemistry. But the one thing that I will say is Jacoby Brissett to mm-hmm. what the the Texans were trotting out in Savage. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's completely it's a lot different. better. Jacob, yeah, Jacoby Brissett's a much more capable passer than Tom give me, Savage was. Give me another guy you want to talk about in this range. It's got to be Josh Gordon. Come on, I mean, twenty-one <laughs> to thirty. This Sean's like I highlighted him for a reason, well, Ricky. Well, the reason is, I mean, this is everyone's like biggest biggest crush, and mm-hmm. I think in fantasy, everybody loves Josh Gordon. Everybody wants to be that person to pick up Josh Gordon. Expect nobody, Dave to draft him in our league. Nobody wants to miss out on Josh Gordon. Some people might even have him in the in, you know being taken in the second round because mm-hmm. we've seen what he's done healthy. I mean, you look back at that 2013 season when he was healthy, 159 targets, 87 receptions, 1,646 yards, nine touchdowns. That's number one, possibly number one overall wide receiver output. And again, what was holding him back wasn't because of his his athletic abilities, wasn't because of his game. It was off the field issues. It was mm-hmm. his issues with himself and maintaining to be on the field. We see that he still is in shape. He's in incredible shape right now. We saw he was even at least, you know, a little bit effective when he came back in 2017, and that was with Deshaun Kaiser throwing to him. So Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor being the weapons and the, and the guys throwing to Josh Gordon now, it's a massive uh, mm-hmm. Upgrade from what he was having, you know, being thrown to him in 2013. If Josh Gordon is at least on the field and he's ready to play football, he is a guy that could be absolutely dangerous, and he could be a guy that you know we have him in our 20s right now. Mm-hmm. But he could be a guy that you know people watching us right now. Well, he could be a top 10 guy. People could even have him over Jarvis Landry, who now is the right now is the quote unquote the well, number one wide receiver uh, wide receiver option on that Cleveland Brown team. And that's what I was going to throw out is I believe every single one of us, the three of us. I know I have Jarvis Landry in my top 20. 
You've got Jarvis Landry in your top 20. Mark was the only one that had Jarvis. He didn't even have, I believe, Josh Gordon in the top 30, I don't think. I'd have to look at it more. Oh, he had him back-to-back at 21 and 22 mm-hmm. with Gordon being above Landry. And to me, that's why I've got Josh Gordon where I do or where I did in this range is because right now I feel like Jarvis Landry is the big, is the number one. But also I have questions about the Cleveland Browns of – I don't want to overhype them. Where yes, I love yeah. what Landry did last year. I love what uh, Josh Gordon could be. I love the Baker Mayfield Tyrod, whichever yeah. one of them are starting. But it's Cleveland, and are they bound to fail? But I, I think the one thing is again they massively upgraded their wide receiver mm-hmm. core, and they massively upgraded their quarterbacks. Their line got worse because Joe Thomas and their running there. back, and yeah, and they got Carlos Hyde as well, and um, Nick Chubb. Yeah, and Nick Chubb, and they mm-hmm. still have Duke Johnson, who's yep. still a very capable back coming out and catching balls uh, mm-hmm. f- f- uh, out of the backfield. Um, so, again, they've, they've upgraded their pieces, and it's just really who's going to be the guy that separates himself and who's going to be the guy that separates himself out of the quarterback pack. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which one's going to favor Jarvis or which one's going to favor Josh Gordon, if either are going to favor one over the other. But, again, these are more capable quarterbacks than Deshaun Kaiser. And even then, Josh Gordon still put up very capable numbers in the five games he played last year without a capable quarterback in Deshaun Kaiser. So I think it's a guy that, again, he might be a little bit of a gamble because of those pass off the field issues, because of his at least uh, disease in, in in his dependency to alcohol and drugs. But if he's able to get past that, and so far he has been able to do that since coming back to the Cleveland Browns, we haven't heard a peep out of the Josh Gordon camp that has been negative. Mm-hmm. This kid seems like he's back on his track. He's still in his prime when it comes to athletic ability, he's a guy that's going to be one of the most interesting prospects, not prospects, one of the most interesting. He feels like a prospect mm-hmm. still because he hasn't had a full season outside of the 1,646 yards. Fantasy players. But one of the most interesting fantasy players, if not the most interesting fantasy player in, in this in this you know whole year. The last guy I want to mention before we move into the top 20, both Mark and I had him at 28, just in the top 30. You didn't have him in the top 30. Yep. What are your thoughts on Michael Crabtree? Newest addition to the Ravens. I know that it's him, Brown, and Willie Sneed yeah. all being this Raven additions. Then you got the column issues, if you want, with Joe Flacco, and is he going to get benched halfway through the year for Lamar Jackson? I don't know about that. What are your thoughts with Crabtree? Because you didn't have him in the top 30. I love I love Michael Crabtree just just from that whole Texas Tech thing. That, that, that Graham Harrell game. That was, one of the best, that was one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, and I love Michael Crabtree. But now he's got to be the number one wide receiver again. Hasn't done that since mm-hmm. uh, about, I think, 2016 when they drafted Amari Cooper, the Oakland Raiders. Maybe in 2015. I don't remember when Cooper was drafted. Maybe when um, he was even not since he was with uh, San Fran. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, 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 you know, even then, Crabtree still was getting over 100 targets uh, in the past three years. But... Again, he's a guy that's going to be touchdown reliant, and we've seen before when he was the number one guy back in his last two years in San Fran. I know 2013 he was injured, but he only had five touchdowns in, in, in those 21 games, and he wasn't looking like the same Michael Crabtree that was you know dominating the league in 2012. So it's something that I, I'm worried about because Joe Flacco is a guy that loves to throw the deep ball, but is he going to target him in Crabtree's bread and butter, which is mm-hmm. the red zone? So is Crabtree going to be able to be a potent deep threat? Is he going to be able to run the sidelines and, and, and be a guy that's going to be you know able to run 30-yard routes and still be able to win those balls? It's something that's going to be you know still up in the air. I mean, you look at his past performances. That year in 2013, he was averaging 13 yards of reception, and that's gone down ever since. 2014, 10.3. 2015, 10.8. 
2016, 11.3, and then back down to 10.7 in 2017. He's a guy that's going to be a short yardage wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Joe Flacco, that's not where he makes his money. So I think, you know, is Michael Crabtree still a decent wide receiver? Yes, I still think he's he's just outside my top 30, but I don't think he's going to be able to get the same touchdowns that he needs to, and will he be a guy that's going to get 100 targets to make sure he gets near well, uh, 50 receptions, which he, you know last year he had 58 receptions, only 608, uh, yeah, 618 yards and eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns is nice, mm-hmm. but will he be able to you know pack that yardage to be a top 30 wide receiver? Now, my thing of why I had Crabtree just in my top 20 is – when you look at guys like Crabtree, when you look at Sneed, when you look at John John Brown, yeah, I feel like John Brown is going to end up being the guy that's more of the deep threat. He I think he's going to get more touchdowns. He than did have some of those. See, here's the difference though: John Brown is five ten, Willie Sneed is five eleven. You look at Crabtree; he's six one. He's the only one that cracks the six foot. I know yeah. some might say, Ricky, it's only two inches. Above Willie Sneed, I feel like because he is that two inches taller, when they get to the red zone, they're not going to be looking at Brown and Sneed. They're going to be looking for the taller receiver. Well, taller receiver, but I don't, think, I don't think they're looking there at all. I, I think they're looking mm-hmm. to run the ball, and I think they're also looking for their newly drafted tight end, Hayden Hurst. Joe Flacco loves the tight end. When Dennis Pitta was healthy, True. that was his guy. I mean, I mean, he consistently was looking. Even Ben Watson as well mm-hmm. when he was a Baltimore Raven, he was consistently looking for the tight end, especially because they love play action. They love to run the ball within with inside the red zone. They love to run play action. I think you know. Yes, will Michael Crabtree get red zone targets? Of course, but will mm-hmm. he? be the same guy he was in Oakland, no. I'm very worried about that. So I don't think he will be, and I don't think he's a top 30 wide receiver right now. Well, and he also and especially, doesn't have Amari Cooper on the opposite Exactly. Field. Yeah. And, and one thing, too, is he's a guy that, again, is getting older. Mm-hmm. So was last year uh, the fact that Dave, uh, I was gonna say Derek, David <laughs> uh, Derek Carr was injured, or was it because, again, mm-hmm. Michael Crabtree is getting older? Mm-hmm. Can he still perform? Yes, he's a top 40 wide receiver, but I just don't think he's the top 30. I think there's higher potential in guys like Calvin Ridley because, yes, he's the number two option in Atlanta, but also Julio Jones doesn't rack up a ton of touchdowns, and Julio Jones isn't the most healthy guy in the world. And if he is, you're pairing Julio Jones Calvin Ridley, and if this Sarkeesian offense picks up, we saw what Matt Ryan could do in 2016. Mm-hmm. So I think there's more potential in a guy like Calvin Ridley because he's younger, because he's faster. He's already a great route runner. Matt Ryan's going to eat him up. Will Fuller, we talked about that. If Deshaun Watson's healthy, he's a guy that's in the top 20 for sure, maybe even top 10 with the touchdowns mm-hmm. that he was catching last year. And even then, Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins, the biggest question for him is health, but even last year when he was healthy, he was still proven to be a good wide receiver. Well, I mean, that's even a guy we haven't even mentioned where Sammy Watkins, where the thing I'm most excited with him is to see him. I know Matt Nagy's not there, but to see him in that Kansas City type of offense, because it's going to run the same with a guy like Patrick Mahomes slinging it to him. I know there's Tyreek Hill. I know there's Travis Kelsey, but I think that Sammy Watkins is going to get his. Well, and I think the one thing with Watson, oh, Watkins is health, mm-hmm. which that's why it takes it down from it's from Tyreek Hill, and then also Tyreek Hill has worked with Pat Mahomes before. Mm-hmm. Sammy Watkins hasn't done that. Yeah. Didn't affect him too much with Jared Goff, but it's something where Sammy, with the health concerns, with mm-hmm. working with the new quarterback and working in that Andy Reid offense and working in Kansas City, which has seemed to be a death trap for wide receiving mm-hmm. options outside of Tyreek Hill. I'm worried at least what Sammy Watkins can do. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know of our 21 through 30 
down below in the comment section. Let's move on, Sean, though, into 11 through 20. If you did not catch, if you're on YouTube, didn't catch our 21 through 30, after you listen to this, go check out 21. I almost said 11 through 30. 21 through 30. It's basically what you're going to do with both videos. But I was gonna let's yell. get into. I was going to yell at them to watch it, but I'm not going to do it. Let's look at who our 11 through 20 is. Starting at number 20, Denver Bronco wide receiver. Kind of mentioned him in the last second segment. Demarius second. Thomas. Then number 19, Amari Cooper of the Oakland Raiders. Number 18, Jarvis Landry, the newest addition to the Cleveland Browns. 17, another new addition. This time to the Chicago Bears, Allen Robinson. Number 16, used to play for the Bears. Now he plays for the defending Super Bowl champion Eagles in Alshon Jeffrey. Then number 15, wide receiver for my Minnesota Vikings, Stephon Diggs. Number 14, Doug Baldwin of the Seattle Seahawks. 13, Tyreek Hill of the Kansas City Chiefs. Number 12, Brandon Cooks of now the Los Angeles Rams. And then at number 11, Adam Feeling the feeling of the Minnesota Vikings Hooked right there at number 11. And the first guy I want to mention mm-hmm. is Amari Cooper, because just to look up really quick, you had him in the top 20. Yep. Mark had him in the top 20. Actually, both of you guys had him in the top 15. I had him at 24. And the reason why I have him at 24 is, first off, John Gruden system. I don't know what to expect That's fair. with the John Gruden offense. I knew what to expect last year, especially with Michael Crabtree there also. But yeah. Amari Cooper and Derek Carr are going to have a new system. Plus, you add on to it. I'm not really worried about Martavius Bryant, but you have Martavius Bryant and, more importantly, Jordy Nelson. Yeah. I kind of have a feeling, and I was thinking about this today. Some say, like, oh, you know what? Don't worry. Cooper's going to be the guy. He knows the system. Well, the system's going to be new to everyone. Does Jordy Nelson hurt Amari Cooper's fantasy stock? That's what I'm thinking. I think Martavis Bryant and and Jordy Nelson helps Amari Cooper, weirdly enough. We saw what Amari Cooper wasn't able to do without Mm -hmm. a guy like Michael Crabtree and Derek Carr. Without those three, he had a horrible year last year. He didn't look like Amari Cooper. He had some flashes. that I think that Denver game or Kansas City game Mm -hmm. um, absolutely balled out. But he wasn't Amari Cooper last year with those guys around him. Having Jordy Nelson, having Martavis Bryant is just going to help him because it's going to be able to at least take the pressure off him, and he's going to be at least you know more. He's going to be less focused on because you're going to have to focus on Jordy Nelson. This is a guy mm-hmm. that's put up a thousand yards receiving before. Martavis Bryant is a massive body. He's got great speed. He's going to be someone that's going to be dangerous, and you're going to need to put your focus on him. When they spread out, it's going to be Cooper one on one with another corner, and I think that Cooper is going to be able to at least take advantage of most. You know, teams and, and most other teams number one. Um, so I think that's going to be something that's going to be interesting. And I think the biggest thing for me is, is you mentioned the Gruden system, and it's just what is it going to be like after ten years? Mm-hmm. How is Juden, Gruden going to change that coming in or back to the NFL after that ten year hiatus? Is he going to be as heavily throwing the ball as the, the Raiders used to throw it under Jack Del Rio? Will mm-hmm. it still be the same offense that they used to run? Or will it, or at least how similar will it be, and how similar will it be to the modern day NFL? Will Gruden still be stuck in the days of 2008? I think that's the biggest thing with Amari Cooper, and if Derek Carr is healthy. If Derek Carr is healthy, and they're still throwing the ball the same amount, Amari Cooper is still Amari Cooper. This guy's going to get a thousand yards receiving, and you don't have Crabtree taking away those red zone receptions from him. 
And I think Jordy Nelson, while he's a great you know receiver, I don't think he's really going to be a guy that's going to be eating up red zone targets unless you know it's it's something where it's a design play for him. And same with Martavis Bryant. I think Omari Cooper is now the guy. I think this is actually a helpful addition that he got Bryant and got Nelson because it's just going to take more less pressure off him. He's going to get more high pressured and high uh, you know at least situation targets and receptions. Well, and here's the thing I'm looking at is the only thing that we have as an inkling of what John Gruden is going to do is looking at his OC. And he's bringing in Mm -hmm. Greg Olson, who was the quarterback's coach with the Rams last year. To me, I look at that then and I go, is this going to be a spread out evenly thing? Because like, and I know these are averages on ESPN for PPR leagues, but like Cooper Cup last year had just over almost 177 points for the season. You had Robert Woods, who had 163. And then with Sammy Watkins, I actually have to look at KC for that because they have the updated roster. Sammy Watkins was at 146. So, like, is that going to be the kind of mold, per se, that we could see with Nelson, Cooper, and Bryant, where it's like, none of these guys are really... Yeah, there's one that's almost at a 177 for the year, but none of them really jump out like a Brandon Cooks who had like over 200 fantasy points last year in PPR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's And one thing, just going back to the whole Gruden thing, I mean, even though he does have, uh, you know, uh, Greg Olson or Greg Davis? What's, what's Greg Olson. Greg Olson. Uh, I, it just, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm used to him being a tight end. Uh, I know he's a different, <laughs> completely different person. Spelled uh, completely different. Too. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I mean, Greg Olson again. He, Gruden's still gonna be calling the plays, so mm-hmm. it's still a Gruden offense. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Um, yeah, and you know, it's a fair point to bring up with Cooper, especially with a, in a PPR league. But again, if he's getting around, you know. Eight receptions a game, or I'm sorry, if he's getting around eighty receptions on a year, he's gonna at least be getting you know at least four to five points, mm-hmm. six points, uh, four to five, four to six catches a game, which is gonna you know at least give you at least three points, possibly six points if you're in a one point PPR league. Um, and I still think you know we've only seen him have seven touchdowns at most in a season. I think this year might be the year he breaks double digits because again you're taking away Crabtree and and he's gonna be more uh, of seen as the guy. And he's finally getting his quarterback back in Derek. Mm-hmm. Carr. We've seen the connection that they've had before, the spark that they've had before. And last year, he did have his best year without Carr getting seven touchdowns. And it wasn't even the same Amari Cooper. I'm just really interested to see what Amari Cooper will look like with Derek Carr and with his guy back. Who's the guy you want to talk about? First guy you want to mention. I want to mention two guys, and and they still have a similar link. And it's it's a a current Chicago Bear, and it's a former Chicago Bear. It's Allen Robinson. Robinson and it's it's Alshon Jeffrey. Look at Robinson Mm -hmm. coming off of his injury and working with Mitch. We have high expectations for this naggy offense. We have high Mm -hmm. expectations for the Chicago Bears. They might get seven wins this year, Uh, but I see some. Picking eight to nine already. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's fair. We 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 have a good defense already, mm-hmm. and you know, having Jordan Howard, having a second year Mitch Trubisky, having a great you know offensive mm-hmm. play caller and, and a great offensive mind in Nagy, it's gonna be interesting. I think my favorite prediction so far from the outcast of your Bears fan goat. See their um, early preview and predictions. The one comment was like six and ten. Let's hope maybe we can win one divisional game this year. <laughs> like that was just yeah. my favorite one. But I mean. Allen Robinson, I'm not even a Bears fan, and I'm excited for what he can do. Like, I had him 13 on my wide receiver rankings. That's way too it's high. It's a little high. It's way too it's high. It's a little high. Like, that's the thing is, we, gotta, Mitch we have to see how he comes back. And mm-hmm. yes, he was a highly targeted uh, player 
in Jacksonville, 2015, 2016, 151 targets. Um, he was a guy that had 14 touchdowns back in, in 2015. But we also saw Mitch's downfall. Mm-hmm. How much has Mitch progressed? And also, how healthy is Allen Robinson? If Allen Robinson is perfectly healthy and Mitch Trubisky is, and you got to play like Jared Goff, he's a top 10 wide receiver. I mean, he's that's it's pure and simple. But also, that's not clear. Is Mitch going to be able to adapt to this offense, this this Matt Nagy offense, like Jared Goff was able to adapt to that Sean McVay offense? Mm -hmm. Will he be able to take those steps? We saw great flashes from Mitch. Mitch looked at at times like a great leader and a great quarterback, but also he had some terrible games where he couldn't throw the ball left and right, hit hit his receivers. So if that's still a a problem, that's going to be something that holds Allen Robinson's production back. And if he's not healthy, we talked about this with Julian, Julian Edelman, if he's not healthy... Then I mean he's he's screwed. I mean he's he's not going to be able to be the same wide receiver that had fourteen hundred yards back in twenty fifteen, and that thing, was again three years removed. One thing I just want to say because I never thought about that connection, the whole Goff to Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky connection. Yeah. Be careful, there might be Bears fans then that see that and go, oh my god, we can make the playoffs this year because that's what happened but with the Rams. You could I mean, <laughs> look look at the similarities between the Rams and the Bears. Great division's a little tougher uh, for the Bears. A little bit, but but uh, again, we look at what the Rams had mm-hmm. before. Yes, they had Wade Phillips come in, but also they had great players on that defensive side. Their defense was always good. They Bears had Robert very Quinn. young defensively. They had Aaron Donald. They're young defensively, but they're also good defensively. Yeah. They were one of the best defense, d- defenses last year. Mm-hmm. It's just going to get better because hopefully Leonard Floyd's healthy. Hopefully the additions they've made through the draft and through the uh, free agency period and also Fangio just being there another year and stealing these players is going to propel that to mm-hmm. possibly near a top-five defense and having that offense to boast and at least not be able to have your defense out on the field so much. It's going to make that defense better. And again, we expect a ton from this offense. You see the wide receiving core come along. You think Mitch is going to progress as far as you know, as much as he you know, as much as he's able to, and at least be you know a, a comparable quarterback this year, and be possibly a top twenty fantasy to top fifteen fantasy quarterback this year. And you still have the great Jordan Howard. So this is a team that has a lot of interesting pieces. And Matt Nagy, if he's able to spark some culture into this team, they're able to buy into the system, and which it seems so far they have. This team could be dangerous, and if they're able to, you know, win a couple early ones from mm-hmm. Minnesota, the first game against Green Bay, two from Detroit, this team could be making the playoffs. Well, I mean, it's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen, yeah. but it's possible. And I mean, when it comes to Allen Robinson, kind of to bring it back into the wide receivers, yeah. is I am he's the one I'm most excited for. The second one I'm most excited for is Anthony Miller, who I mentioned in our first part of these rankings. But I mean. I am intrigued to see, maybe I'm a little too high on Robinson coming in, but I am interested to see what these guys do in the Matt Nagy offense. We saw what it can do in KC with an Alex Smith quarterback and then last game of the year with a Patrick Mahomes. I want to see, although I'm a Vikings fan, I want to see what this offense can do with Mitch Trubisky and what Mitch Trubisky can do with an offensive mind behind him and how that's going to benefit the wide receivers. The other guy you mentioned that to me it's kind of like, all right, like there's nothing really new happening here is Alshon Jeffrey. Like well, he's going to get his quarterback back and that's the thing. Runs. That's the thing. He's getting his quarterback back. And when he didn't have his quarterback, mm-hmm. he did have ten targets in that in that first game against New York. He only had four catches for forty nine yards well, and a touchdown. And he doesn't have Torrey Smith anymore. Yeah, either. and then in, in the game against Oakland, two targets, no receptions. Mm-hmm. Then the game against uh, uh, Philly or against Dallas um, in the last game. 
two targets, one reception. He was not the same wide receiver when mm-hmm. Foles was out there, at least at the end of the regular season. I know the postseason was different, but again, we're talking about fantasy well, football. Yeah, he had a, in the regular season. He had a few catches against and, my Vikings. And that was the thing. The first 13 games when he did have Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. 106 targets, seven, uh, 732 yards uh, receiving. He was going to pretty much close in on another hundred uh, 1,000 yards uh, receiving uh, this season. He also had eight touchdowns, so you probably could have added on you know, probably a 10-touchdown you know, year for Alshon Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be molding with a better Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is going to get better, yeah. and you know we're not sure when Carson will come back this year. He it's going to be interesting. He's confident that he'll be back week one. That's we'll what see. he says. I, that's what he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I'm, doctors I'm just are different. saying. I'm I think Andrew Luck was you know, confident he was going to be able to come back last year. Um, <laughs> again, it's going to be interesting. You also don't want to rush Carson Wentz. That's a, another mm-hmm. big thing. Um, he's a competitor, so he's going to want to come back as soon as possible. But also, we saw Foles gel more with this team. So, mm-hmm. I think Alshon might be a little bit slow, possibly, uh, to start the first two weeks. But when he does have Carson Wentz back, Carson loved throwing to him. Carson loved him in the uh, in the red zone. And we know what Alshon can do, especially being a Bears fan. When he's healthy and he's motivated like he was last year, he can be a dominant player on the outside. Yeah, and I mean, with the Eagles, I really think that like with Alshon, it's one of those where it's like I just put him on there and I'm like, you know what? He's one of those ones to me where it's like, is he going to be good? Yeah. Is he going to be great? Nah, maybe not amazing, maybe not top 10, but he's a solid top 20 wide receiver well, when it comes to fantasy. And that's the thing. This is, this is The last year was his most uh, mm-hmm. targets since uh, 2014. Had 120 last year. Uh, pretty much was going to close back on where he was in 2013, 2014. Uh, was going to near around 145 targets. Was going to break 1,000 yards most likely. And mm-hmm. he had nine touchdowns to finish the season. His most in his career is 10. If he's able to get you, you know, uh, 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 you know 1,000 yards receiving, 10 touchdowns, and if you're in a PPR league, get you maybe 60, 60 receptions, I think it's a really damn good year for Alshon Jeffrey. And we don't know how the Torrey Smith uh, you know, departure will affect Alshon Jeffrey, at least touchdown-wise. It might put him up to possibly 11, 12, 13. This could be a Philly offense that might even have one of the best years we've ever seen from an offense. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, the way he was playing, he was the MVP last year. So if he's able to grow even more coming back from this injury, Alshon Jeffrey could have a great year. Well, and the, the next one I kind of want to move into are the two that you had highlighted from the team I cheer for, the Minnesota Vikings. And it's interesting because you look at, if you looked at the individual rankings, I had Thielen higher than Diggs. Mark had Thielen higher than Diggs. You had Diggs higher than Thielen. And the thing that comes into this for me is, first off, look at last year for the Vikings. Obviously, something with Case Keenum and Adam Thielen throughout the year they had a connection. Mm-hmm. And obviously you have that one. How many targets did Thielen have? It was over 100. He had 143, according to ESPN. No. 95. Pro football reference says 143. Over 140. Yeah. Whereas Diggs almost had, he was like five short of 100 on the year. Not a huge disparity, but quite a bit of a disparity between mm-hmm. targets. You got Kirk Cousins coming in. Kirk Cousins targeted Jamison Crowder 104 times. Vernon Davis, 69, and then the next wide receiver had, like, what, 78 was Josh Doxson? Yep. So, I mean, yes, now Kirk Cousins has two beautiful weapons to play with, along with Kyle Rudolph, who should see a bump also with how much Kirk Cousins like the defense or like the tight end in Washington. Why did you put Diggs so high above Thielen? Was it because of Cousins coming in? Well, one, I think Diggs is a better player. 
I, I mm-hmm. think even though Adam Thielen had a better year last year, I think Stefan Diggs is a better player. And we saw what Stefan Diggs can do when healthy. Stefan Diggs was nagged with injuries last year. Mm-hmm. He was consistently dealing with turf toe. He wasn't healthy out there. Even though he might have played a couple games injured, he only played 14 games last year. If he's healthy, he's a more explosive player than Adam Thielen is. Mm-hmm. And he also had more touchdowns than Adam Thielen did last year. And this is something where, again, Diggs is a big play guy. He's a guy that can catch balls, you know, 25, 30 yards out. He's a weapon that, you know, Kirk Cousins had, hasn't had since Deshaun Jackson. And when he was working with Deshaun Jackson, uh, he threw 11 touchdowns to Deshaun Jackson. He's thrown touchdowns to 22 receivers. Deshaun Jackson is fourth all time, and he hasn't played with Deshaun Jackson since, what, I think uh, 2016? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's been a while since he's been able to work with it. He's been working with Crowder. He's been working with uh, Jordan Reed since then. And Deshaun Jackson is still up there for most touchdowns given to him. I think he might have a similar Deshaun Jackson role. I think he's possibly even possibly could be better than Deshaun Jackson when he was with uh, Washington. Mm-hmm. So I think this is something where Stefan Diggs is a better player. Uh, he's more athletic and he's a, a, he's, a, he's a pretty strong kid for the size that he does have. I think Stefan Diggs could be a big play guy that you know Kirk Cousins might play with more. Let me ask you this because yeah. I'm not going to answer this question because I might be a little biased in my answer. So I'll ask you: Do you think there's a shot? And if so, what's your percentage that maybe? Between Thielen and Diggs, now with Kirk Cousins, they both crack a thousand yards this year. I think it's fairly Not- decent. I mean, again, you, you look at last year, and, and we, we all mm-hmm. feel that again, talent-wise, Kirk Cousins is better than uh, Case, Keenum. Case Keenum. Case Keenum might have been a better fit. Mm-hmm. Still yet to be seen. We haven't seen a game played yet. But again, this is a better quarterback, quote unquote. I mean, this is the reason why he got guaranteed money, he got the largest quarter contract mm-hmm. in, in NFL history uh, for for what he's done so far. Um, and he, you know, some people even argue whether he's great and was worth that contract. But I mean, this is this is these are two guys and Stefan Diggs, eight hundred forty nine yards, didn't play a whole sixteen games. Adam Thielen, who well cracked a, a thousand yards. So could you see those that twelve hundred from Adam Thielen go down to a, a thousand, and then those two hundred go to Stefan Diggs? One hundred percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think these two guys can both crack a thousand yards. That's why they're ranked so high, even though they're on the same team. Well, and the big thing also is I know we talked about the quarterback thing. You mentioned with one of the other wide receivers we talked about, oh, well, I think it was the Patriots. Oh, what are you going to do with these um, targets that went to Amendola and Brandon Cooks? The thing also here is you had 68 targets alone go to Jarek McKinnon. I know that Dalvin Cook's coming back, but that could be targets too that I know Kyle Rudolph will probably get a couple of those. Yeah, I think that's the biggest guy that's gaining from uh, a I guy mean, like Kirk Cousins. We're going to talk tight ends next mm-hmm. week, but he's a guy that had over 80 targets yep. last year from Keenum. So, I mean, this Viking team is going to be interesting fantasy-wise because I don't think whether you like Thielen more, you like Diggs more, I feel like with Cousins it's basically going to be I have one of them, and I hope they do well because he could literally throw it to anybody. That's the thing is you might <laughs> you might miss out on the better one. You mm-hmm. might take Diggs. Thielen might be better. You might take Thielen. Diggs might be better. But both are going to be quality yeah. weapons. I, I I have that feeling. And the only reason, the only way I feel like they won't is if they get injured. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest thing. And and again, you know, uh, Diggs. I just again feel that his athleticism is better. Um, he's smaller than Thielen, but but not by too much. I think it's uh, an inch. Dis, uh, disparity, and I think maybe like 10 pounds. Um, I think Diggs can still be massive on the outside. I think that he's a guy that can also work on the inside. I think I think Diggs is, is more of an all-around player. He's a better athlete, and I think Stefan Diggs, when healthy, is probably going to be a, a more consistent option for Case Keenum. Another guy in this region that we have ranked at 12. Mm-hmm. He's another guy moving to a new team yep. than what he was last year. 
Have the Rams found their answer for their main go-to target for Jared Goff and Brandon Cooks? I mean, they had a you know pretty damn good weapons last year. Connor mm-hmm. Cup was pretty good for them. Sammy Watkins was pretty good for them. But with I don't Brandon f- Cooks, is this going to be another one, like I said, where it's like, yeah, you know, Woods, Cup, Cooks, they're all kind of evenly? Or is it going to be... Cooks is up here. He's the main fantasy go-getter. And then there's Cup and Woods maybe who are getting theirs. Well, maybe it's just because I, I think I saw what Brandon Cooks did in this New England Patriots offense. Mm-hmm. And you even look at his numbers. you be like, like the goat. Yeah, I mean, you look at his numbers. I mean, his yards per reception were up. He still had seven touchdowns, which isn't too far off from what he's gotten before. Nine and eight were as high. Mm-hmm. Um, seven, not too far behind that. You look at his uh, targets. Still at 114 targets. Dropped the ball more last year, but you know maybe he wasn't hooked up with Tom Brady as much as he was Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Could he be an explosive player still? 100%. Kid's only 25 years old. He's going to be interested to see what happens, especially Jared Goff. I mean, these two kids, uh, you know, maybe their their energy is going to vibe more, and they're going to be able to at least bond more in, 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 the, uh, in, the, in the locker room. But it's something where I'm just worried about Brandon Cook's production because he didn't have great production last year. We mm-hmm. saw that, you know, we expected him to have even you know, bigger production. He was going to be the number one guy. Joe is out. Brandon Cooks is going to be the number one weapon. And he wasn't really that. That's why the Patriots moved on from him. He was good. He wasn't great. So I am have my worries about Brandon Cooks where, you know, Mari Cooper, I have a guy I had ranked above him. Here he has that connection with Derek Carr. You look at Alshon Jeffrey, he has that connection with Carson Wentz. Jarvis Landry, I put higher, but that's because he's been the reception leader twice in his career. He's mm-hmm. going to be getting balls thrown at him. Tyra Taylor is going to need a safety blanket. Jarvis Landry also is you know, pretty much the same amount of as, as athletic as Brandon Cooks is, so that's another reason why. And you look at you know guys like Adam Thielen, 1,200 yards re- receiving last year. He's mm-hmm. getting a better weapon in, in Kirk Cousins. And Larry Fitzgerald, it's Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, that's that's you know going into my top 10 range. I just feel like Brandon Cooks, there's a lot of questions about him. Can he be great? 100%. I'm just a little bit worried about how he's going to bond with Goff. He might bond better than he did with Tom Brady, but it's still a question that I have. One of the things I like most about this is— Oh, he also got destroyed in the Super Bowl, and yeah. how is he going to bounce, bounce back from that? He's playing right now. He's you know at mm-hmm. OTAs, but how is he going to bounce back from that? The thing that I think most, because like you had him in your top 20, mm-hmm. both Mark and I, I had him at 10, Mark had him at 9. And the thing with me I wonder is, can Sean McVay get the most out of him? Because— I'm not throwing any flack at Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is one of the all-time well, greatest head coaches Josh in McDaniels. the NFL. Well, Josh McDaniels. But, I mean, with Sean McVay, what he's been able to do with players, like, he's been able to get the most out of players that we, like, that entire Rams team was able to get the most out of them that but, we didn't even see. And, of course, I know he's different than uh, Jeff Fisher mm-hmm. was. I wonder if he'll be able to get, the they most out of Cook. ran so many plays for for Brandon Cooks mm-hmm. though. It's not like he got a, a you know again back in New Orleans his last year, mm-hmm. 117 targets, 114 targets in New England. They still ran a ton of jet sweeps for him. They still tried to work his speed into the offense. It just seemed like there wasn't a connection consistently out there for between him and Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest thing. Will it be Sean McVay? I don't really know. Maybe working with a young uh, you know, head coach in Sean McVay will spark his interest. Especially or even having a, a younger young, quarterback like you mentioned. Yeah, that's Goff. what I was going to say. Having a young quarterback like Goff, maybe he'll be able to bond before, uh, more than mm-hmm. he did Tom Brady. I think the biggest question is just how he will be able to do in that Rams locker room. He was still competing for a championship last year, made it to the Super Bowl. It still felt like he wasn't consistently Mm -hmm. on his game. It didn't feel like he lived up to the expectations we had for him before. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Brandon Cooks. 
I'm not really sure what to expect. That's why I had him a little bit lower than you guys. I would rather be more conservative about him from what I saw last year than, you know, say, hey, he's already going to be you know, a top 10 wide receiver because I think there's guys below him or even above him that already have that connection established with their quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and it's not going to take them time to adjust into their system. So I think Cooks, it's, it might take a while. He might click right away, and I might look like an idiot, but I'll look like an idiot rather than, you know, putting him in the top 10 and him, you know, being outside of it. I have worries about Brandon Cooks, not because of his talent, just because of the way he's going to bond with his his teammates. So I worry also about how how he's going to be able to at least dominate, uh, you know, receptions. Will he be able to get you know touchdown receptions consistently? Mm-hmm. Will he be back near that nine and eight level, or will he you know possibly fall off to that five or, or, or six level? Sammy Watkins had eight touchdowns last year, but didn't have a ton of yardage. Will mm-hmm. he fill that that role as well? It's going to be interesting what happens. Any final person in this eleven through twenty you want to hit before we crack the top ten? Um, I think Tyree Kill is going to be interesting. Uh, it's a guy that is is definitely a gamble just because you have a new quarterback there in Pat Mahomes. But he's worked with Pat Mahomes before. Pat Mahomes was there last year, mm-hmm. and he's you know again still the number one guy. Stuff Kelsey, you add Sammy Watkins. There's more help for Tyreek Hill. He's going to be an interesting guy, um, and also Doug Baldwin. He's a guy that's been so consistent throughout his career. But you know you're losing Paul Richardson, mm-hmm. you're losing Jimmy Graham. You're going to be having more of a focus on you. That offensive line is still terrible. They drafted Rashad Penny, but will that be enough to spark the rushing game to take more pressure off Russell Wilson? He's going to be the number one guy Russell goes to, but. If Russell goes down, you're screwed. If Doug Baldwin goes down, you're screwed. Plus, so, I mean, with that Seattle team, it seems like their team is doing yeah. a little bit of this, mm-hmm. and you've got the Rams and the 49ers doing a little bit of that. Yeah, and even the Cardinals, too. I mean, the Cardinals mm-hmm. have a spectacular defense. You think Rosen or Sam Bradford possibly could even put yep. them back up there. We're so, projecting an uptrend yeah, for them. Yeah, it's one— uh, an, Uptrend. It's an not uptrend. a thing. Uh, but I, I think that, again, Doug Baldwin— Upkind, uptrend. Doug Baldwin it might be a guy that is still probably— there later than you would expect him to mm-hmm. because people have those worries. But if he's a guy that, you know, you have Demarius Thomas out there and Doug Baldwin's still on the board, go with Doug Baldwin because Doug Baldwin's been more consistent than Demarius Thomas was, mm-hmm. has been. And he still has that connection with Russell Wilson. And the one that I'll mention is with Tyreek Hill, if Alex Smith and Nagy were still there, he would have easily been in my top 10. To me, my worries are not with Tyreek Hill. It's more of how is this offense, although it's going to, fundamentally be the same how is it going to be different with Nagy out of town not calling the plays and number two I am higher on Patrick Mahomes than some that's why I had Tyreek right at 11 mm-hmm. right well, in my top 10 but what's it going to be without Alex Smith out there and with Patrick Mahomes more of I don't think Pat Mahomes isn't you know capable of being an NFL quarterback no, it's not just what I'm saying it's, it's just, just I think I, I it's, it's gonna young. it's gonna take yeah it's, he's young it's gonna take him mm-hmm. time to adjust and also if he finds a safe uh, a safety blanket early like a Travis Kelsey and that might take yeah that might take targets away from uh from uh Tyreek Hill and also you still have Sammy Watkins Sammy Watkins was a, what mm-hmm. number f- the fourth pick in that draft yep. when he was drafted I mean he's a guy that can still be dangerous on the outside so if Pat Mahomes wants to go deep he might like Sammy Watkins over also, Investopedia does have uptrend as a word. Do so, they? Oh, yeah. so it's a it's a stock term. An uptrend describes the price hmm. movement of a financial asset. Cool. I didn't even know that. And I used it. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below about our 11 through 20 and who we might have missed. But, Sean, let's move on. End the podcast with mm-hmm. our top 10 fantasy wide receivers. If you haven't checked out on YouTube, 21 through 30, 11 through 20, you can go back and do that, obviously, after you listen to this portion. And let's get right into it. Number 10, or into it, if I can speak actual words. 
At number 10, we've got Devonta Adams of the Green Bay Packers. Then at number 9, Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's Mark's guy. Number 8, it is Mark's guy. I believe he had him the highest, I think. I'll have to check no, on that him one. No, him and I had him tied. Then at number 8, you had Larry Fitzgerald of the Arizona Cardinales, as Brandon likes to say. Number 7, A.J. Green of the Cardiac Cats, Cincinnati Bengals. Then at number 6, Keenan Allen of the L.A. Chargers. Number five, Julio Jones of the Atlanta Falcons. Number four, Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints. Number three, Odell Beckham Jr., OBJ, cracking in at number three. Then DeAndre Hopkins of the te- of the Texans at two. And then the guy, we all knew he was going to be one. There was no question that he's the best fantasy wide receiver and should be drafted first in every league wide receiver-wise. Antonio Brown of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The one thing I, I want to throw out there, and I want to start okay. with Larry Fitzgerald, is just just on the fact, because we'll get this out of there. Yeah. And to, I know some people love OBJ. Some people mm-hmm. love him. You, you see what he did in his rookie year. You see what he's done. Antonio year. Brown's consistent. He, he's a Killer monster. Killer bees, baby. That's the thing. Is, is Antonio Brown is going to dominate mm-hmm. no matter what. OBJ, he's going to have a 37-year-old passing to him. At least Antonio Brown's 37-year-old is much better than Eli Manning, Remember so. when Brandon Marshall, Jet Brandon Marshall, yeah. was, I think, brand new to the New York team? Bet made that Antonio bet Brown. with Antonio yeah. Brown, and Antonio Brown made him look like well, a fool. It's the thing. It's like, at worst, Antonio Brown might get you 1,500 yards. Uh-huh. At worst. Like, this guy's a monster. So, I know OBJ might be more sexier. You might like him. If you mm-hmm. want to pick him first, wide receiver off the board, go ahead. I think the guy picking number two will love Antonio Brown. Now, the guy I wanted to start with was Larry Fitzgerald. The reason why I wanted to start with Fitzy, both you and Mark had him just outside the top 10 at 11. Yep. I had him at three. Yeah. And before I go to you, I just want to talk through my process here. And with me, could have put OBJ at three. But the thing I look at with Larry Fitzgerald is last year with Carson Palmer, he had 161 targets. And that's even with... He didn't have Carson for the full year. He didn't have Carson for the full year. But that's even with John Brown on that team. That's even with having J.J. Nelson as a main target on that team. I look at Arizona, whether it's Josh Rosen, whether it's Sam Bradford, I think either of those quarterbacks helps out Fitzgerald and isn't a net negative without having Carson out there. Then I look at the rest of their wide receivers. You have Chad Williams... J.J. Nelson is still on the team, but he's listed now as a fourth stringer. You've got Bryce Butler, Christian Kirk. To me, I look at this team, and yeah, you can say he's the only one. Let's just double him. He's Larry Fitzgerald. I feel like having Sam Bradford with a Josh Rosen, either one of them is going to find him, and he is going to get his points, mainly because... He's the only one there. And Fitz quietly is the top ten wide receiver of all time, yeah. and and I'm not doubting that. And Larry Fitzgerald is a 34 year old, still looks like the mm-hmm. same Larry Fitzgerald as he was back in 2010. Mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald is an ageless wonder. I'm not disagreeing with you. Larry Fitzgerald is one of the most targeted wide receivers and one of the most reliant wide receivers in the NFL. I'm not disagreeing with you, but the fact that you have him above Odell Beckham Jr. is literally hysterical. It's Ridiculous. I understand OBJ coming off an injury is 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 you know is worrisome. Let's think about this though. Okay. These aren't wide receiver rankings of best yes. all time. I know this is just fantasy yes. production. And I'm saying that's why you shouldn't have Larry Fitzgerald mm-hmm. over Odell Beckham Jr. If we're doing all time rankings, 
Larry Fitzgerald's above Odell Beckham Jr. It's mm-hmm. not a question. But I'm saying Odell Beckham Jr. is in his prime. He is 25 years old, going to be 26 in November. In the four, sorry, in the three healthy years Odell Beckham Jr. has had, 2014, 2015, 2016, he has averaged 1,500 yards over 16 games and 13 touchdowns. 170 targets and 170, 107 receptions. Mm-hmm. Fitzgerald from 2015, 2016, 2017, if, and again, this is over 16 average, 152 targets, 108 receptions, so one reception more, 1,100 yards, which is 400 less, that's 40 points you're missing, and seven touchdowns. So there is a big difference between a healthy OBJ and the great Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald's going to be consistent. Larry Fitzgerald's going to get you 1,000 yards. Mm -hmm. He's going to get you at least five touchdowns. He's going to get you 100 receptions. But Odell Beckham Jr. is not if, he's a top three wide receiver, but it's really a question where you're going to put him. Mm -hmm. He's for sure a top three wide receiver. Most people probably have him at two as well. I put him at two because Odell Beckham Jr. is so explosive. He's uncontainable. Mm-hmm. He's a monster out there. He's 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 he was unstoppable when he's healthy. OBJ is better than Larry Fitzgerald because he's younger. He's better. He's faster. He's stronger. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that Larry Fitzgerald has over him is he's healthier. Here's another thing that plays into it in my mind is the Giants are not the same team they were last year or even two years ago with the last year that Odell was healthy. But they're better. They're wide. Well, they're, they're better in ways because Eli's still going to throw to OBJ. Exactly. And now they finally have a running game talking, to help them. When we're talking about winning games, the Giants are probably going to have more wins in the win column, mm-hmm. or more W's in the win column than the Cardinals at the end of the year. But I look at this giant team. You look at the main wide receivers as of right now. Odell's going to be number one. Sterling Shepard will be in the slot right now. They're projecting Cody Latimer, the um, free agent they got from Denver, to be on the outside. Yeah, Latimer and Sterling Shepard are not in the same conversation here, but better weapons than what the Cardinals have. Plus, you had Saquon Barkley. That's going to take away fantasy production from an Odell, I believe. And then the last little cherry on Mm -hmm. the top to me is you got Pat Shermer running this team. We saw that we just talked about yeah. Pat Shermer type teams last like Here's last the segment. Difference. I know what you're going. Is it could be Thielen's here and someone else is here. Here's the and difference. And he's still going to get his, but I think Fitzgerald's going to have more. Odell Beckham Jr. is a hundred times better mm-hmm. than Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. It, it's it's not even close. And yes, you're mentioning that they have a better team. They have mm-hmm. more weapons. But did that stop Ben Roethlisberger from throwing to Antonio Brown? No. They have a better running back in Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon mm-hmm. Bell is a pass catcher out of that backfield. They had Martavius Bryant. They had Juju Schuster-Smith. They've had so many wide receivers in that slot next to Antonio mm-hmm. Brown. On the other side of Antonio Brown, and he still dominates games because he's a game-changing wide receiver. Larry Fitzgerald is too, but Odell Beckham Jr. is in that top three tier, and Odell Beckham Jr., if he's healthy, will dominate the game mm-hmm. just like Antonio Brown did. Here, it's, 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 I understand your qualms, mm-hmm. but this is something where talent is going to exceed a system, it's going to exceed other weapons, it's going to exceed Everything, the only thing that matters is Odell Beckham Jr. is a guy that's going to be open, and he's a guy that already has a connection with his quarterback in Eli Manning. Josh Rosen mm-hmm. might be better than Eli Manning. I'm not sure about that. Sam Bradford went healthy, might be better than Eli Manning. But Sam Bradford's never healthy. Josh Rosen is, is a rookie. Eli Manning is a guy that's going to be able to get the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. The only question with Odell is his health, and, and maybe even the contract situation as well. But outside of that, 
Odell Beckham Jr., if he's on the field, he's going to be dynamic, and he's going to be putting up 1,500 yards and over 10 touchdowns. Here's the thing. I feel like out of the guys in the top 10, you're using the wrong—like, I don't want to say the wrong guy because obviously— like, I had Odell Beckham at four. It's not like I had Odell Beckham at, like, seven or eight. The guy that I think that gets screwed in my personal Mm -hmm. rankings by me having Fitzgerald at three and maybe having Michael Thomas at five, but Julio Jones— where you had Julio in well, the top five, both Mark and I have Julio at six. This is the thing about Julio Jones. I feel like I need to respect Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, I don't think you're you're too crazy having Julio Jones outside there. Julio Jones is one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL, and there's no question well, about and it. Plus, they added Calvin well, Ridley. Yeah, and, and this, this offense you think is going to get better than they were last year. And even then, last year, even though they weren't the same in mm-hmm. 2016, he still had 148 targets, still had 88 receptions. Uh, 14, uh, 1,400 yards and, and three touchdowns. But the thing with uh, Julio Jones is he's not a touchdown machine. I and mean, he's never been. He had t- 10 touchdowns his sophomore year. But since 25th, I mean, he's had you know a high of 8, 8, 10. Other than that, he's usually 6 or under. That's not top five wide receiver material, but it's the yardage. It's the it's it's what he, you know Matt Ryan hits him for. He averages for his career 15.5 mm-hmm. yards per Per reception, he's a guy that can go out there and have a 255 yard game with three touchdowns, and then you know the next game he is banged up with turf toe, and then you know only gets like two catches. Julio Jones, when he's healthy, when he's uh, you know when he's out there, is a guy that Matt Ryan loves, and is a guy that can dominate the game. It's just a question of will Matt Ryan be finding him in those right situations and and, and being able to get you fantasy points out of touchdowns, and will Julio Jones be healthy? And also there's that contract situation. So I'm respecting Julio. Jones for the fact that he is a, di- a dominating player. He's, he could be even you know in the top three with Antonio Brown and with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. I just put DeAndre Hopkins there because we saw what DeAndre Hopkins to do last year. There's not that contract concern, and he's getting Sean Watson back, who was a, a massive fan of him. And even then, DeAndre Hopkins proved that he could be a, a, a big mm-hmm. asset without DeAndre Hopkins or without Deshaun Watson. So Julio, it's really based off of record, and it's based on the force that he is athletically and size-wise. Julio Jones is pretty much unmatched talent and size wise mm-hmm. but he's consistently not healthy and he he doesn't rack up touchdowns like you know Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham does well and the thing for me is it came when it came to Julio where to put him mm-hmm. I had my decision was between him and Michael Thomas for um five and six and the way I kind of mapped it out in my head and I don't know if this is right or wrong but I'll let you guys be the judge is that Julio Jones last year it was like Julio Mike, Michael Thomas were both really good receivers. Yeah, You've got the Falcons, who have added Calvin Ridley, who I feel is going to benefit from Julio and Sanu getting most of the attention from defenses, yeah. and Ridley's going to be able to work in the middle with his big body. You've got Michael Thomas, who, yeah, some of those targets that went to Willie Sneed, they got to go somewhere, and I think well, that even though Drew Brees spreads it out— I feel like more of those targets are going to go towards a Michael Thomas than a Ted Gale. I think when we're talking about top 10 wide receivers, mm-hmm. you can't really worry about guys who are going to come back, who are going to take away targets mm-hmm. from them. It's really who's going to take the touchdowns away from them. Michael Thomas is a guy that's still going to get 100 receptions. Mm-hmm. He's still going to be a guy that gets over 1,000 yards, maybe even 1,100 yards like he did last year. It's really a question of touchdowns. Michael Thomas last year went from nine touchdowns to five touchdowns. Will Drew Brees be throwing the ball as much as he did? How much will that Mark Ingram suspension affect the first four games mm-hmm. of the Saints offense? How much will Alvin Kamara take away and ball True. hog uh, touchdowns away from him? 
That's the thing is you have Alvin Kamara who can end the end end a drive on one play because he's going to run eighty yards and take to the house. So mm-hmm. the biggest thing with Michael Thomas is, is is touchdowns. Will he be able to put up top ten wide receiver touchdown numbers? The same question really goes for Julio Jones. And and I just feel like again Julio Jones is more proven. He's a better athlete. He's bigger. He's faster. And again, he's got a quarterback right now and Matt Ryan who throws the ball more than Drew Brees does. Drew Brees is a great quarterback. He's a great leader. But look at last year for Drew Brees. Drew Brees was not the same Drew Brees that we were accustomed to seeing. Drew Brees is getting older. Matt Ryan, I feel more confident with him throwing to Julio Jones than I do uh, Drew Brees throwing to Michael Thomas. Uh, Again, I'm not trying to bash on Drew Brees. It's very close between him and Matt Ryan. Uh, But again, you know, we're talking about accuracy over production. And last Mm -hmm. year we saw a massive drop-off from Drew Brees, almost 1,000 yards less throwing the ball uh, from Drew Brees. And we're talking ultimately about fantasy here. Who I'm going to have on my team? I'm going to have Drew Brees as my quarterback. But again, if we're talking about fantasy output, we saw what Matt Ryan did in 2016, and we still see, saw Julio Jones be effective last year. Will Michael Thomas be able to get those touchdowns uh, like he was able to in his first year getting nine touchdowns? Now, a guy that I am, I'm not, it's not a question of like, oh, how is this guy in the top 10? But it kind of is to where you had him a lot more reasonable in my mind. Then Mark, and I know Mark's not here to defend himself, so I'm not going to harp on Mark having him at five. But Deonta Adams, like you have him at nine. Devonta Adams. That's fine. But like myself, I had him at 15. I'm not like, the thing I worry about this Packer team is, of course it's Aaron Rodgers. A, Aaron Rodgers comes back, and Aaron Rodgers falls into the field of Tom Brady, of Drew Brees, of I don't care what the name on the back of your jersey is. Are you open? Mm-hmm. Can I get it to you? That's all I care about is winning games and throwing it to whoever. Plus to me, and I might be higher on this man than some. I feel like you can be with me and behind me on this. I feel like this year. I'm talking Equim- about Jimmy Grant. No. Oh. Equiminius St. Brown is going to make his input. Not as a main guy, but he is going to take targets and make his impact on this team as a big wide receiver by at least week four. And to me, I wonder if this team with the combination of Aaron Rodgers spreading the ball and rookies coming up and basically anyone kind of pitching in that Deontay Adams will be, Mm -hmm. oh, he's a good receiver in fantasy, but is he a top 10 wide receiver Uh, in fantasy? You're smoking something. This is is Aaron Rodgers here. And even though Aaron Rodgers spreads the ball Mm -hmm. around, he still throws 40 touchdowns a year. So when a guy has to be getting the majority of that, Devontae Adams in the past two years has been getting 12 and 10 touchdowns But do we know it's going to be him? Could it be Randall Cobb? It wasn't Could, Randall Cobb last year. It wasn't um, Randall Cobb the year before. But Aaron Rodgers was injured most of the year. But but still, even then, Devontae Adams was more mm-hmm. of a guy that they put in, their stock into. Devontae Adams just got a massive contract from the Green Bay Packers. Randall Cobb might not be on the team. Mm-hmm. Randall Cobb has been a guy in trade rumors. Randall Cobb has been rumored to be going out of Green Bay, not being the number one wide receiver in Green Bay. Devontae Adams has proved that he is the number one guy now, and especially with Jordy Nelson out, especially with Aaron Rodgers loving Jordy Nelson, he's going to have Devontae Adams, who now needs to be his number one, and this is Aaron freaking Rodgers. This guy's going to throw for 5,000 yards. He's going to throw for 40, 40 touchdowns if he's healthy. And he's going to look for his number one guy. And it's going to be Devonta Adams. And Devonta Adams is going to reap the benefits of being Aaron Rodgers' number one guy. He's finally going to crack 1,000 yards receiving. And he's going to still continue to get 10 touchdowns, 10 plus touchdowns mm-hmm. this year. Aaron Rodgers, again, he spreads the ball around, but he still has his favorite guys. And this is, again, if I expect... I expect Aaron Rodgers to be healthy. This isn't something that I think is going to be too damaging like uh, 
like uh, you know, uh, like uh, Andrew Luck's uh, you know injury was. But I mean, you look at his guy in in, in Jordy Nelson from 2013 to 2016 were the years that you know Aaron Rodgers was playing. Mm-hmm. Jordy averaged 1,300 yards, 93 receptions, and 12 touchdowns. That's top 10 wide receiver production. I think Devontae Adams, again, being younger than Jordy was at that time, being more explosive, can be that guy. He also is a big uh, red zone threat as well. Devontae mm-hmm. Adams has proven to be a guy that they just toss it up to in the corner. He goes up and grabs it. Being 6'1", 215, he has a weird ability to be a guy that they've you know looked to in the red zone and be a guy that comes down with big big balls and big catches in the corner of the end zone. I think Devontae Adams is, is I think you're sleeping on him. I think Mark might be mm-hmm. a little bit high on him. I think putting him at 9 where I had him. Again, weirdly enough, I think I was right. So what you're uh, saying is we got a little uh, Goldilocks situation. Yeah, here. I think I too think, cold, too hot, just right. I think again you might you might have those worries about Aaron Rodgers spreads the ball around. That's mm-hmm. why you have Mike Ad, uh, Mike Evans, who is a guy in Tampa Bay that has a guy in Jameis Winston that they have that connection already. And I'm not saying that Rodgers doesn't, but you know Jameis Winston's healthy. Mike Evans is also the only wide receiver on that mm-hmm. team, uh, pretty much. I mean, I know they still have uh, you know Sean Jackson and stuff, but I mean they, they haven't proven to be a, a great connection so far. Mike Adams is the number one receiver and really the only guy that's going to dominate uh, receptions and targets on that team. Keenan Allen did that last year with Philip Rivers. The biggest question for Keenan Allen is health. And then again, we get into the Michael Thomas, the A.J. Green, the Julio Jones era uh, you know, range. I think that Devonta Adams, again, is better than Stefan Diggs, has more potential than Larry Fitzgerald. He can be an explosive guy that gets over 10 touchdowns a, a, a year and you know, maybe 1,200 yards reception. Do you receiving. think that, I mean, for me, I feel like I'm going to ask you this question. You're just going to say Larry Fitzgerald. Do you think that there's our top 10? Yeah. So Browns, Hopkins, Beckham, Thomas, Jones, Allen, Green, Fitzgerald, Evans, Adams. Just to read it off for you guys again. Foolproof top 10, or are you dumbfounded and surprised that somebody's in this top 10 that shouldn't be? I wouldn't say Larry Fitzgerald. I'm dumbfounded that Larry Fitzgerald's in there. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, again, I mean, we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, Devonta Adams is, he hasn't, he's never had a thousand yards receiving. So again, there's questions and marks about how high his production is going to be. You look at AJ Green, AJ Green and Andy Dalton, they've been a potent connection mm-hmm. before, but AJ Green's not consistently healthy. Is Andy Dalton going to be able to get in the ball like he was able to in 2016, 2015? You look at Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen's never healthy. Same with Julio Jones. Odell Beckham's coming off a major injury. Larry Fitzgerald is one of the most reliant guys. I don't think there's a guy I'm really questioned about. Like, I'm, I'm really like shocked that he's in the top 10. Um, but it's, there, there is questions about, you know, how healthy can somebody be? I think the biggest surprise might be DeAndre Hopkins at two. I love DeAndre Hopkins. He's been a guy that I've drafted, I think, four consecutive mm-hmm. years in fantasy. He's a guy that puts up big well, that's, numbers. That's just an odds thing. If two people yeah. put him at two, one doesn't, he's going to be at two. Yeah, but I'm, 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 <laughs> saying, I'm, I'm saying that, again, it, it's weird thinking that, you know, we look at Julio Jones, Antonio mm-hmm. Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., A.J. Green, uh, you, you know, these guys is larger than life. You know, wide receivers. These guys were number one. You know, top ten picks. These mm-hmm. guys were, uh, you know, guys that we've consistently seen from college and, and, and on. And DeAndre Hopkins coming out of Iowa, a guy that you know isn't six four like AJ Green and, and Julio Jones, but mm-hmm. is a big body guy that can dominate the game with 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 his body. And he's not as explosive as a guy like Antonio Brown is, but he's one hell of a wide receiver. And I think it's just surprising to see how far he has come. And I think it's it's really oh, sorry he came out of Clemson. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know why I said Iowa. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a guy though that again has, has been. You were just thinking of Dallas. Dallas being from Iowa. I was thinking of Dallas from Iowa. <laughs> I think there's a, there's another big body mm-hmm. Iowa wide receiver that I'm thinking of, but it's not DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but again, 
DeAndre is a guy that, again, he's been so consistent throughout the years, it's hard not to just put him there because, again, you look when he's been healthy and, and he's had a great quarterback, you know, either be it Matt Schaub or be, be it uh, Sean Watson, you know, 1,500 yards before and, and 10 plus touchdowns. I mean, he's a guy that you expect with Deshaun Watson back, mm-hmm. he's going to be a guy that puts up numbers and even prove without Deshaun Watson, he can do that. There's one guy that in really he's at nine, so it's like nine and 10. I wonder if Mike Evans, when we do these rankings at the end of the year, if we ranked like the top 10 yeah. at the end of the year, I wonder if Mike Evans will be in the top 10 at the end of the year. And the reason mm-hmm. why I say that has nothing to do with necessarily Mike Evans it has everything to do with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in general. Is Jameis Winston going to make the jump that we all expect him to make? Is like you give OJ Howard, who's expected yep. to make a jump mm-hmm. this year. You have Brait, who got targets last year. Plus, they add Deshaun Jackson. Like, are you just going to completely ignore Deshaun Jackson on that year? offensive side? No, he was a with Washington. Last year. Last year he was? Yeah. That's what it says here on Are you sure uh, about that? our lads. It says unrestricted free agent from Washington. Unless I'm totally off on I that. I signed it last year. I think he signed last but, year because wasn't there wasn't there wide receiving core uh him, Vincent Jackson? You're right. You're yeah. right. I was off. He was a few years Smoking ago. But I mean crack. you have then basically I'm talking with Howard and Bray. Yeah. With well, another year, or it's just I have so many questions with, about Tampa, and I'm not high on. That's it. fair, and with <laughs> Evans, I mean, you look so so far. Is no, yeah, so far with that, it's a TAM. Mm-hmm. I was like, is that Texas A&M? Uh, no, but it's it's Tampa, the abbreviation. But you look at his his, his first four years; it's been hot and cold. 2014, 10, uh, 1,000 yards uh, receiving, mm-hmm. 12 touchdowns. Then you look at the next year, 1,200 yards receiving, nice, but only three touchdowns. Then you look in 2016. 1,300 yards receiving, 12 touchdowns. And then he goes back last year, 1,000 yards receiving, 5 touchdowns. So he's been hot and cold. He's a guy that's not really trust. He hasn't been really trustworthy and dependent, mm-hmm. but you see that top end, and that top end spectacular. He's a guy with a big body. He's got speed. He can dominate. You mm-hmm. think if this is the year that Tampa Bay clicks, he's a for sure top well, 10 wide the, receiver. The thing that also makes me wonder is, will this be another te- another year where Tampa throws the ball more? Because Doug Martin's gone. He's now in Oakland. Jaquiz Robert or Jaquiz Rogers is right now the number one back, but mm-hmm. many people are expecting Ronald Jones out of USC to be the number one. Is he going to be the number one that Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans expect? I mean, on our running back video, there was something that goes, "How do you not have Ronald Jones in the top 30? And it's one of those where if you're a Tampa Bay fan, you might be high on him, but. Will he be enough to be a consistent option there to help out, or will this Tampa team just be throwing it all over the yard? Mm -hmm. And I think one reason, just going back to DeAndre Hopkins, I was thinking about this Mm -hmm. a little more. The one reason why I think I mentioned him being a two is just because I had OBJ at two. I think it's it's insane, again, that we're we're kind of— Mm-hmm. Sleeping on OBJ. I get he's coming back from a, from an injury, but this guy. I think it's he, the Giants in he, general. He, it's not just OBJ. They, they got better. We we looked at him last year and saying how could he not? I'll be? just pick him to win the Super Bowl. That'll but, solve but, everything. But I mean, let's look at him last year. I mean, <laughs> they, we were talking about how crazy this wide receiving core was going to mm-hmm. be. Brandon Marshall back from the Jets. Sterling Shepard. OBJ, one of the best wide receivers. And then, you know, all of them get hurt, and they all crumble. But now you have Evan Ingram. Now you have OBJ. Now you have Saquon Barkley. And you still have Eli Manning, who loves OBJ. I get it. There's more weapons out there. But again, number one weapons surpass those guys that are, uh, you know, trying to at least uh, complement 
a guy in OBJ. Mm-hmm. OBJ can dominate a game, and, and I think that he will show that this year. He could possibly end up being the number one receiver after this year and take away uh, you know, that, that spot from Antonio Brown. I'm not saying it's going to happen because that would be crazy of me, but I, I think OBJ is a solid two, and, and that he's not is a little bit crazy. Any final guys in this top ten you want to mention that we didn't mention? Um, AJ Green. We didn't mention AJ Green and, and Keenan Allen. Uh, Keenan Allen had a fantastic year. We always thought he could when he was healthy. He's proven it before when he was healthy. Um, was fantastic last year, and again, the biggest thing for Keenan Allen, if he's healthy, if he's able to play 16 games again, he'll give you 1,300 yards. And uh, the fact that he only gave you six touchdowns last year was kind of surprising. I think eight, you know Keenan Allen will, you know, if he's healthy, could have a better year this year because he's going to be healthy. He's 26 years old. Him and Philip Rivers have that connection. It's going to be something interesting. And AJ Green too, physical specimen. This guy's an absolute monster. I mean, the lowest amount of receiving yards he's had in his career is 964, and he only played 10 games that mm-hmm. year. When he's healthy, he's playing games. He's going to get you, you know, possibly 1300 yards. And the biggest question for him is, will the Bengals be able to put up touchdowns? Will you know Joe Mixon be able to help out Andy Dalton as much as we thought he would? Would uh, you know a guy like uh, John Ross, who they drafted, be able to help this offense? If he is, I think A.J. Green, again, being a number one option, being the physical specimen that he can be, can get you 10-plus touchdowns like he did in 2013, 2012, and 2015, and get you near 1,300 yards like he did in 2012, 2013, 2015. He just hasn't done that in the past two years, and I think that's why people might be sleeping on him a bit. But he's a guy that, again, if he's available in the fourth round, take him. Take him immediately. This is where you guys, actually, now at the end of this, we are officially... Halfway through our fantasy football rankings. Ooh, tight ends year. next week. Tight ends next week. Who's your number one? Who's my number one? Yeah. I'm leaning Gronk, but you I'm not sure. You should lean Gronk like, because he's the greatest tight end of all time. I'm leaning Gronk, but I'm not sure. I haven't looked into it. Then we well, got defenses. Who else would it then, be? Then, I mean, with kickers, I haven't talked this over with Mark yet. I think we're only going to do the top 15 kickers. I don't think we'll do, or maybe the top 10 kickers and then do two segments. I don't think we need to do all top 30 I mean, kickers. How much can we talk about kickers too no, much. No. Really, you it's, take, you're in take any, the guys with the good, take well, the guys in the good offenses. And plus, I mean, the largest league I've ever seen is a 16-man yep. league. So, take, I mean, maybe 16. Take Greg Zerline. Take <laughs> Steven Guskowski. Take the guys on good offenses that are going to be able to and at least Mark, get field goal attempts. And Mark keeps saying he can't wait to talk kickers when we get to that one. But thank you guys for checking out the onside kick. want to thank Dallas for Joining us this one, bringing the great topic of it wasn't an awful decision for the Browns to draft Baker Mayfield. And this leads me right into the housekeeping. If you want to be like Dallas, you can go check out patreon.com backslash most valid podcast, $10 tier. You get to come on any podcast you choose at that tier each and every month you're at that tier. Second, you can go to MVP most valuable podcast.com and you can check out our store. You can get the content that we have each and every day. That store link is also down below in the description. And last but not least, if you're on Apple po- Apple Podcasts and on iTunes, go give the Onside Kick a five-star rating. Type in what you like, why people should listen, and let them know why they should check out the Onside Kick. Before I officially wrap it up, you looked like you were going to say something? I was just going to say, uh, I don't think we fully answered the Browns thing. It's not an awful decision, but no. it was the wrong decision. I think it wasn't an awful decision. I liked it for the Browns. Should have gone to fits in with what that team wants to do. But thank you guys for watching on YouTube. Thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.